Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm poked and therefore responding. Uh, I'm not just checking my phone, I'm getting my notes, which I guess is a form of checking my phone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Radio Free Golgotha, uh, which comes to you celebrating uh, an angel very close to my heart and the heart of our very special guest, uh, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Hello. Thank I'm you kind for of indifferent me. about it. <laughs> Well, there we go. You can be our, <laughs> you can moderate us back. Can hear you. <laughs> Not if I, anyway. Okay. Um, yes. Welcome to uh, the feast of Saint Saint Angel Rafael. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's always strange. In Spanish, right. it makes sense. Oh yeah. San Rafael is just Saint. Right. But anyway, uh, to the Archangel Rafael's less than publicly celebrated feast day, but still okay according to the Pope. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing too much. Oh, really? Yes. I wouldn't know that there was restri- restrictions. There are, yeah. There's like t- how much worship is too much worship, or how much veneration mm-hmm. for being technical. But yeah, it's it's pre it's the 1960 calendar, so it was abolished in Vatican II, which is why a lot of Latin Ew. America still uses it. Because why pick up a book since then? Mm-hmm. That sounds really bad when people <laughs> have never don't know my sense of humor. Okay. Uh, so October 24th. The Feast of St. Raphael, as distinct from um, Angelmas mm-hmm. and Michaelmas uh, being the conglomerate feast day. Uh, we have a, a few things in store, supposedly, maybe. Um, uh, Raphael as the, the feast day, lavender as the plant, mm-hmm. labradorite as the stone, the mineral, uh, the, the, the feldspar of the day, um, <laughs> uh, the chariot. Arcanum, uh, possibly looking at Hildegard of Bingen as a historical magician, partially to kind of sidestep the fact that we didn't do her feast day justice this year and hope to return to it in the future. Yeah. Um, learning magic? Is that what, is that what we're Yeah, I wanted to talk, we, you know, with genres of magic, it's always a bit difficult because it's a lot easier to talk about like a, a culture or a specific result, but I guess the result was uh, learning, uh, not, not, the process of learning magic, but magic we do uh, as as kind of ritual smart drugs. Uh, so I was thinking primarily of the Ars Notoria, <laughs> but uh, other other endeavors of what it is that you can do to gain knowledge of magic. Angel yeah. math, right? Is what you're saying, right? A little bit. Angel uh, methodology. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Uh, okay. So yeah, and obviously uh, talking about angels in general is a great thing because I think this is the first actual angel episode discussion. Oh, yeah. We've not talked about angels, and it's interesting for a show with necromancy, mm-hmm. like, why angels is actually a topic that you get seen every six months or so in one of the major forums. Somebody has a tizzy about it. Um, or a revelation, perhaps. Uh, and then um, Tristicia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which the corresponding other is Okana, or Okanhan. Uh, Okana, if you're from the diaspora, so that's all the same with more confidence. Um, I think that's everybody. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Great. Officially, I can put my phone away <laughs> and pretend that I'm doing everything from memory because mm-hmm. I probably am. <laughs> we have a very special guest with us today, um, which I will introduce since you're on the inside, and it seems like nepotism if you do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have with us uh, Vanessa Irena, who is uh, the co-author of a book with you, mm-hmm. a, a booklet through book booklet. Booklet sounds dim- diminutive in a mean way sometimes, and I don't mean it like that. Right. Um, it is a publication <laughs> on uh, the Archangel Raphael and magic and history and cultists and practice and propositions, which is really lovely. Can you 
Um, one, welcome, Vanessa. You're awesome. You. And far more than this, she's a, a, a friend uh, yeah. and looking forward to uh, uh, picking her brain and uh, picking the brain of the, the Raphael. Um, especially since uh, he's not the angel that people go to the most. Right. Amongst, at least amongst modern magicians, public record on the intranets. Um, so... One, welcome, Vanessa, and thanks for having Thank us you. in your lovely home. Yeah. Thank, um, you. Thank you for <laughs> having where, me on the podcast. Yeah, we, we come to you and make you record <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, I don't know, uh, do you want to just dive in and go on for what Raphael is for you guys and why, why, why did you write a book and... Okay. Don't yeah, give sure. us any spoilers from the book, but feel free to use it as notes because, look, you did the work already. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, well, for me, the, the way the book came about was uh, I had been sort of doing a ton of research into Raphael on my own, uh, just for my own practice to kind of deepen my relationship with him. And I had read the Michael and Gabriel pamphlets that Hayden had put out, uh, and I really liked them. And I basically realized after reading like a ton of really crappy books about Raphael that like a, that pamphlet was that like uh, sort of format was exactly what I was looking for. And I knew that Al was friends with uh, S. Alderney who wrote those two. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, uh, does your friend plan to write a Raphael book? And Al was like, no, but do you want to do one? And I was like, okay. Be the books you want to read. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's sort of how that happened. And um, I don't know, I think for me, my interest in Raphael comes from the fact that he is, his, his patronage uh, includes both teaching and learning. I mean, teaching and learning and then also healing. And I feel like kind of like healing and learning are sort of my two biggest motivations in life in general. So that's sort of like why I got into him in the first place. But then the more you read about him, the more you realize he's so all-purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an exorcist. He's a psychopomp. Like, he's a teacher. He's a safe travel patron, you know. So, I don't know. He's pretty cool. I like him. <laughs> cool dude. Right. And he has this patronage of patronage in a way as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the concepts around the guardian angel outside mm -hmm. of the, the, the HGA, which I don't know if we want to even touch with a 10 foot stick in this one, maybe we'll get to that. But the concept of <laughs> future guests, yeah. <laughs> the concept of a particular angel having a particular interest in your development in getting you from mm -hmm. one place to another in teaching you and guiding you and protecting you has a lot either overlayered onto him or has a lot that was already there that was later said to be him or is straight up from, you know, the stories that he's found in. Uh, which are obviously mainly the the book of Tobit, mm -hmm. uh, which we touched on a little bit uh, mm -hmm. on, our, on our last thing about um, you know whether or not it's small a apocryphal or big a apocryphal. It's deuterocanonical, mm -hmm. meaning Catholics have always believed it's so, but it's not part of the Hebrew scriptures recognized. So Catholics have made up their own like this is sacrosanct Jewish scripture for us, and uh, then. Uh, low Protestant was the the non Anglican branch, so Lutherans and Anglicans consider it usually within the canon, most of the Anglican Church um, and uh, uh, therefore Episcopalian, who knows, <laughs> uh, but the low Prots generally know who is this, and Raphael therefore is not mentioned in the Bible, um, hinted at, yeah, in, not by name, and not by name, but hinted it in in John, uh, in like John. Four, I think. yes, the, yeah. the fountain, mm -hmm. the fountain angel. Um, and then I also find the, the overlap with, for me, my knowledge of him goes more into Iberian 
lore, which overlaps with Muslim lore, and the 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 overlap that he that Israfil is is either Raphael or Uriel or these other things, right, but because he's the trumpet. Exactly, or... and Israfil is already such a major angel. It is the angel closest to God. Mm-hmm. And in the West, we have Michael as this, we have this kind of version of him in some broad, um, Protestant theologies. Michael is the heavenly Jesus, which is a whole other, like, interesting thing that plays up there. But Israfil is like the, that there is a human on earth who is like him at all times, the Ketub that is presently incarnated. There's always at least one on the planet that whose heart is likened to Israfil, who, who will blow the trumpet at the end of time. But for in the West, that is often Gabriel. And this kind of flowing between all those things. But definitely Book of Enoch lists four of being the ends of the earth angels. And so you have him paired Gabriel, Gabriel, Michael, uh, Raphael, Uriel, mm-hmm. and in Muslim lore, Israfil and Azazel, um, replacing those two or being other names of those two. Um, and also in Ceremonial Magic uh, gets heavily put as an angel of air. Yes. Right, and the East usually. Okay. Right. Uh, so that's kind of most people's first exposure is as part of a, a foursome for this rite that you're then doing before anything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, uh, the, the, the LBRP. Or the, from like listening to Kate Bush. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Lily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, glorious. Uh, or, um, oh gosh, is it The Devil Rides Out? Where uh, they, they, they pronounce it Michael, um, which is lovely, especially in comparison to all of the, the, the Hebrew stuff of, of trying to make it not sound like the name of, of someone you actually know. Right. Uh, Mikey! <laughs> right. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it has to be me. Hey, I am. Yeah, yeah. Vibrate all those, all those lovely syllables. So I like how it overlaps between, as we say, you know, the, the idea of a, a guide, uh, both, you know, physically on the earth through, through journeying and safe travel and a guide through the, the travails and travels of, of health and ensuring that blindness is cured and in curing blindness, also exorcising the demons of blindness and even into some things that look a lot like uh, settling a troubled or, 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 or vexed mind or mm-hmm. imagination or soul. And so this combination of, of teaching things that are useful, that help you get from point A to point B, that uh, will help you deal with your obstacles, uh, both internally and externally, with maintaining that uh, distinction. And that this all kind of culminates with, uh, with this particular you know, medicine of God, this, this healer of God, God's doctor, that kind of thing. Um, and then also like through uh, curing uh, Tobit's blindness and like his association with sight. And then mm-hmm. obviously that has a ton of magical implications as well, you know, mm-hmm. both like clear seeing and clarity and then also even, you know, divinatory or, um, you know, dreaming or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, prophetic visions, that sort of thing too. Which seems to be the the standard of the, that, that same foursome cropping up in scrying exercises uh, from the at least the late medieval period in, in Europe. Uh, there's certainly a lot of accounts by the time we get to the, the 16th and 17th centuries of not just working with a, a single angel, but with working with um, three or four. And they're generally those four, pretty much mm-hmm. always. And there's even some lovely illustrations in, say, John Aubrey's um, Miscellany, which is kind of, I, I sometimes call it like sort of 14 times of its of its era, because it's a combination of here are some spells, here's uh, some some stray references to what we'll eventually call Stonehenge, uh, here's uh, you know uh, Jesus on some toast, 
uh, <laughs> like that kind of mixture of things. Uh, and also here's some scrying stuff. And there's a, a picture of a thing that I think we've talked about before. Looks like a monstrance mm -hmm. uh, that's meant to have the little crystal in it and, and, and arranged uh, with the names around it, which of course uh, also kind of feels like it's a, some sort of reference maybe to the Trithemian art of drawing spirits into crystals and how uh, since well, Hockley and uh, Barrett's Magus, people have tried to work out what it means by a stone with a band around it and is the band, is it vertical or horizontal and there's the picture with it but the text is far older and where do these things, uh, how do they, at what point were they uh, amended or you know at what point was, was, was some received word on how to do this thing from Trithemius onwards included but yeah you get my at point. some point they should just try it out you would think right <laughs> <laughs> you would think. Um, ebony is expensive well most things written <laughs> in the literate classes books oh. might be expensive oh, yeah, so it's not an excuse <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh pine i named the ebony is always you know a convenient <laughs> shortcut um i was random thoughts of the three because the three biblical angels as they're referred to constantly in catholicism mm. um because those are the only angels we have names of mm. and so they therefore represent all angels which you know the greater feast of, of michaelmas and angelmas is that commemoration but to have Raphael have his own feast day which there is actually another as well oh i think it's in spain uh may early may may 7th mm. may 6th may 7th something footnote mm -hmm. Um, of uh, Raphael appeared and and did some things uh, and also the connection to as uh, one does as one does um, uh, Michael appears in Italy and Raphael appears in Spain uh, and there's a big history of uh, with Spain and Portugal's kind of sending ships out into the New World to explore of naming the ships for Saint Raphael mm -hmm. of having small statues of Saint Raphael with them that mm -hmm. are actually viewable in museums hmm. um, the when the ship I think it was Magellan's ship rounded the Cape of Good Hope. They put a pillar there in the name of St. Raphael. Like, it's just this constant guide that's going there. Plus, I think the overlap, the, the easiness of his symbol is a fish mm -hmm. and you're on the water. Um, it's also something there, even though it's the, the fish gall that is the cure for the blindness and then what the fish heart and the fish liver to cure overburning coals to bind a, that was to Asma. drive Asmodeus yes. into Upper Egypt and then that he bound him there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fish is important apparently. Mm -hmm. Um yes. And then also him obviously being a, like a safe travels, you know, patron. Yes. That makes sense for Well then even the traveling on rivers yeah. and ships being such a treacherous like the winds of God that totally. drive you at sea and you don't know which way it's going and there's this weird overlap between again air. Um, and it's modern description to Raphael and these things, and Mercury, patron of travelers, and all these things is interesting. Um, yeah, as a speaking of Mercury, we get to just slightly divergent grimoire traditions of where we find uh, Raphael, and uh, the the Heptameron tradition, if we can call it that, uh, ascribes into to Mercury mm -hmm. uh, and to Hod eventually. And uh, the other, uh, the Swan Book tradition has him sw sun, right? do swapsies with Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. as, uh, as found in the sun and eventually Tiferet. Uh, so there's this uh, swapsies going on that I think is interesting in terms of the, the sun being eventually more associated with finding your, your patron angel, mm -hmm. uh, being that point between um, human and divine, being the, 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 the middle point between the cross and the circle, uh, and having that access to one who 
don't, you know, shines on it all as a, as a patron of, of, of your patronage. Uh, it's interesting to take on the medicine that you need in order to keep going on your journey mm. and the concepts of what health are that health in a modern context does. And we talk about this quite frequently, but the health of the body is one thing, but health of the spirit, health of the mind, health of the emotions, these are all health Health of, health of your monetary life, health of your emotional life, right. these different things are things that can be healed. Mm -hmm. And that in our natural state as children of God or people or in things formed in the image of God, that blessings should be flowing. And it's almost like, a, it seems like Raphael seems to try and restore the balance in that mercurial way, the, the mm -hmm. quicksilver thing of like trying to figure out how to put the gold atoms back into us, which is interesting that mercury is the transmission there. So... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Heptameron lists the angels of Wednesday and Mercury as being primarily about uh, transmutation and specifically turning things in bodies to other things, which to me feels very humoral uh, in terms of the, the way in which, yeah, the, the humans themselves can be transmuted. Most typically uh, negatively, because that's the way that approaching it pathologically is, is what you do when you're living in a veil of tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, most commonly that's about humus being burnt to a dust, as it gets called, the idea of it being blackened by unaccustomed heat, usually. Uh, and it's often used to explain things that look kind of like what we might relate to uh, either like bipolar kinds of things or post-traumatic stress disorder. The, the, the frequent example is soldiers who uh, are, so, uh, you know, are instantly far too angry about things and then fall into this kind of funk or catatonia. And so this idea of navigating not just what humors are going on and being able to uh, balance them, but also understand how they're shifting and becoming volatile or more subtle and more vaporous and thus rising mm. to the head and those kinds of concepts. It's also interesting, just going back to what you were saying, uh, how we discovered that he had associations with both the sun and Mercury, and then also that he had we, we found an association with him for like every color of the rainbow, but basically like not having any set nature in itself is mercurial itself. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, like mercury is like all the colors of the rainbow mm -hmm. or like not really having any like true definable qualities is a mercurial, right. you know? Mixed. So I guess, yeah. I think that's cool. New colors as well yeah, sometimes right. <laughs> which is, is an interesting one uh, and, and kind of conjures, I don't know, for me. It's interesting to think of like, there's colors that we haven't discovered yet. <laughs> right, right. Or like the neons and things <laughs> right. like that. Right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a little, like, of my old chaotic life coming back to haunt me. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> no, it's interesting, too, that even the concept, like, linguistically of, like, names for colors on the spectrum that you might not think of as important, mm. that someone who lives in a lush tropical environment might have 14 words for green, or whatever it is that... There's going to be a development, and the difference, but you know, it, it evolves past light green and dark green. And it was the traditional craft Crayola set that was going around. It's like <laughs> paler than bone white, and like <laughs> darker than your darkest day, nightmares black, and yeah. like things, you know, the blood falls on the barley red, um, <laughs> like things like that. Like, okay, that's a very, I mean, it brings a certain amount of healing to me to see such things. Um, uh, not to mention, it's it is an awesome ninja turtle who is staring at us mm -hmm. right now. Um, <laughs> He's with, cool but rude. Yes, mm -hmm. and and where's the red band? We noticed, so we know there, there's there's a there's a, at least a uh, incarnate. Yeah, connection. so that's the that's <laughs> the red. 
uh, <laughs> yeah. correspondence. Which, yes. comes, which comes, if we're going to go into the historiography of, of, of Turtle Colors, uh, comes from, I think, the actual Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, as it got called oh, in the really? UK, uh, because they didn't want kids getting into ninjutsu. Uh, previously, I mean, originally the, 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 the Eastman and Laird. <laughs> Mutant talking turtles is okay. That's fine. That's fine. No, it's hilarious, like, how many ridiculous, like, turtle and ninja turtle synchronicities Val and I had when we were writing the book. Like, I think we actually, like, turned it in on World Turtle Day mm -hmm. and um, just a bunch of stuff. I can't think of anything else specifically that happened. Oh, but. just the fact that we, we realized that uh, the, the turtles are New York's official. Uh, tourism guides. Oh yeah, right. And kept, kept finding them places <laughs> saying like, totally. go this way next. And they're like, okay, all right, uh, that, that's a thing. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's nice to squint. So the patrons of your journey through New York. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. I tried to work out if there was a specific uh, point because you have, you know, the mapping superheroes to particular places. Obviously like Luke Cage in Harlem is probably mm -hmm. the best example. Daredevil in uh, Hell's Kitchen. Uh, but they they're not specific uh, to anywhere. It's 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 New York in general, and and that thing about the underworld mm -hmm. of now, New York. When I was a kid, we distinctly thought it was Queens. Oh yeah, interesting. Very much thought it because it was like just the most multi multicultural place like in the world, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so it was an interesting thing of like this because Little Japan in Manhattan is all of a block. Mm. So like mm -hmm. if we're gonna go off of what this. Uh, Hero turtles are. That's fine. They can be ninja turtles. That was a blip. No, I don't. I don't want to set off the queen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> better protect her emotions now that I have an in. Um, <laughs> She'll get another call. <laughs> Fairy dogs. Um, <laughs> of course, the turtles are originally named for painters, um, mm -hmm. but still, there is something quite interesting that. Uh, roughly well, I'm sure is. the painters were named after the angels, though. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, being. Catholics and all these right. uh, good, 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 good gay Catholics that most of them were. Yeah, <laughs> um, they were all red uh, in the first coloring of them. Oh, I mean, the Ace Men and Lad comics are originally black and white anyway. Uh, and so then when they went color, like the OG. Yeah, in a way, yeah. They, 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 they were like, well, you'll know them because they're holding different weapons. And you because shall know they, them by the bands yeah, they wear. Yeah. <laughs> you know them by their actual personalities. You're like, nah, can we can we color code them a bit better? Um, which I think that was the right call. Yeah. I, I feel like so. Donatello was totally like the pizza party person, if I remember correctly. But Michelangelo is the hedonist, really. Uh, there's, 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 I, I, I've gone through way too many uh, derivations. I mean, this is a great permutation. Go for it. Yeah. Human <laughs> theory to the four of them. Do it. Uh, right. So you've got Donatello as uh, one. He, he does machines. He does I believe machine, that's the yeah. that's that's his epithet in the in the theme song. So mm, there's there's melancholy qualities to him. Raphael is the hothead, uh, very choleric. Uh, but that then means you've got uh, Michelangelo at, or uh, uh, Leonardo as somewhere between which one's the, the phlegmatic sanguine, and which yeah. one's the sanguine. And both of them make uh, a, a pretty good sense. But the idea of where does leadership come from when you're doing that TV tropes classic, uh, of, uh, like what they call it, the, the, the four piece mm -hmm. um, of, of, of various different ways that you can apply humoral theory to uh, or, or at least use popular culture to to get a sense of how the four different forces interact with each other. Sex in the city mm -hmm. as another example. Oh, and, and wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that wasn't a, a complete discuss, that was just a randomness. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that's a, that never would have considered that. such a Miranda, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> or I, I don't isn't know, she actually, running for a conflict? I haven't even watched the show actually, so I don't know if he's, if, like, what it, that even means to be a Miranda, but whatever. <laughs> Probably. But yeah. I think we're all Miranda's on the inside here. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. What's Splinter then? 
uh, arguably the you know the the spiritus that uh, that unites them. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a rat fanatic here. Yeah, but yes, yeah, like the Gilgit Island theory that we've talked about mm-hmm. uh, that each one is a, a, a deadly sin, mm-hmm. and that uh, the skipper is both anger and gluttony, and Gilligan is in fact the devil, which is why he's in red. Um, the rest are actually pretty easy to figure out of, of lust and envy and pride and sloth. This is Howell. Um, all the way. Anyway, uh, okay, so back to Raphael. Uh, what, can you speak more to Raphael as patron of pilgrims and travelers? Because this is, in the Catholic mindset, usually, modern day, Christopher has kind of risen to the one that people name drop as the first thing. It's like, who's the patron saint of, of travelers? Mm. Christopher. Michael as a patron saint of people who are traveling for work or or are taking on a duty, mm-hmm. um, soldiers, paratroopers, policemen, firefighters, anybody who's defending others. But Raphael specifically, what is it that speaks to traveling and travelers? Um, well, it, I, I mean, I think it comes directly from to- from the book of Tobit because uh, basically the story is that you know Tobit uh, is a man and he like he's you know hanging out one day and like a bird poops in his eyes and so he goes blind and he's like he can't work and his marriage. It's not always like, good luck when that happens. Yeah, apparently. his marriage is falling apart and like he's poor and stuff like that and so he like longs for death and he like asks God to to end his life basically mm-hmm. and at the same time this other lady who's like far off is also begging for death and so. God, instead of like answering their prayer, sends Raphael to Earth, and so to- like so Tobit basically uh, decides to send his son Tobias to the foreign city of Medea to get some money that Tobit had deposited there to like save the family or whatever, and but he doesn't want to send his son alone, and so he sends Tobit Tobias out to find someone to get to to travel with him to help him get there safely, and so he meets a man uh, saying calling himself Azaria, and who's actually Raphael in disguise. Azaria, who's the son of Ananias, right? I just remember the name being so lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And um, so, and Azaria claims to be uh, his kinsman and said, oh, I'll go with you, you know? And so, uh, you know, so Raphael protects him throughout the journey. And like, you know, at one point, uh, you know, uh, Tobias is fishing and he sticks his foot in the water and a fish, like, eats or tries to eat his foot off and so like Raphael instructs him to like catch the fish and then that's where they get the medicine for the the eyes and all that stuff but um so he like protects him on the journey basically and then gets him back safely and then at the end he's like surprise bitch it was me I love <laughs> mm-hmm. you know pulls off the mask <laughs> yeah right yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, and then also he also guides Enoch around in the book of Enoch as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he brings him to Paradise Tree, I believe, and then he also shows him, like, the underworld mm-hmm. and stuff like that, too. I mean, that's not really, like, a protection, like, a protection thing as much as more, he's more of a guide in Enoch. But in this, one, in this one, he's, like, actually, like, goes with Tobias and, like, helps him because he's, like, his young son or whatever, mm-hmm. so. I've seen also uh, some homilies and things like this that are... Um, specifically talk to the virtue of having children and that salvation comes through your children. And they look to the book of Tobit as an example of this, that salvation comes through. You've lost all hope. You don't, you know, I know nothing left to live for, but okay, I have, I've made some plans and I'll send my son out and that God helps through the son. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's this kind of interesting thing of the advocacy for um, making babies, Mm -hmm. not the act of making babies because that's sinful, but making babies themselves. Mm -hmm. It's the book of Tobit that's often that uh, one of the, the quotes on love that gets used. I looked up the statistics on ah. how many weddings mm-hmm. 
use that love quote. Mm. Um, it's it's also, also from the, the book of Tobit. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. sense of like going out on a mission for something uh, and, and specifically to to heal. Well, you mean like casting a fishing rod mm. and the hook that grabs it mm. and takes the Well, also, I mean, fish. because of the story, he also is sort of like a, a patron with, you know, it's going back to the love thing of, of like matchmakers. Because uh, while they're on their journey, the, the reason that they, uh, the reason that he ends up binding Asmodeus is because there's this woman who's she's the one who's also praying for death at the beginning of the story. Because like every time she tries to get married and have a husband and, and consummate the marriage, Asmodeus comes and like eats the husband. Yeah. And so she's on like number seven, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, but then uh, Azaria brings Tobias to meet her, and apparently they're related. And so that means that he like you know, has the right to marry her basically. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, signs up and then that's, you know, how they, how they like end up, you know, trapping Asmodeus and whatever. But because of that, you know, he's, he kind of acts as a matchmaker in that situation. Yeah. And so a lot of times uh, women will, will pray to Raphael to like find them a husband and stuff yeah. like that. I think that to the, the throwing of the, the fish parts on the coals with, um, making him flee to Egypt mm-hmm. and in uh, the, the note that sometimes it's mentioned that Asmodeus is strangled, which I find interesting because cutting off the air. Oh yeah. And again, just the way, you know, these types of things work of how mm-hmm. many connections to existing things can we already. And then also like using incense yes. to, to, to send him away. Choking yeah. something right. and it, it, you know, can no longer breathe in the room. Right. Also makes sense by extension of anybody who's used to a little too much sulfur in their martial conjuration incense, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, we get exactly these references in the, Testament of Solomon, not by name, but when Asmodeus turns up as like the fourth demon that uh, Solomon encounters, uh, not only uh, does he does he give a very grand uh, Asmodeus give a very grand like heritage of himself that he was uh, born of an angel seed by a daughter of man, so that no word of our heavenly kind addressed to the earthborn can be too proud. Uh, so you have this like definite like pride thing that's interesting in terms of that reference back to the, the son. But the more direct references are that when he's finally asked like, what do you do? Who are you and what do you do? He's Asmodeus amongst mortals. Uh, <laughs> I have many names. Um, but uh, his business is to plot against the newly wedded so that they may not know one another. Mm. So again, that specific yeah, thing. A lot of these are very particular uh, maladies, very kind of interesting. Not ordinary necessarily, but like not your, not your like I rend the veil of, uh, of, of and tear the world asunder. But can we permutate that and have it be drop the Senor as an extension of Asmodeus? Hmm. Of like I interrupt your carnal knowledge by an outside lord coming in and claiming dominion over the wife hmm. type of interest because there's, he has a royal inheritance because of the what we're talking about of angel blood slash demon blood mm-hmm. of being a cambion and uh, being the offspring of Agrappa Malat, mm-hmm. by some accounts, and sometimes LLT, mm-hmm. who he sometimes also marries um, very, you know, as one does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the unrecognized, or unfortunately having to be recognized son of Solomon, who he replaces on the throne. Yes. And Pulls a full switcheroo, doesn't he? Yeah. And like throws Solomon like many leagues away, and Solomon oh, has yeah, to like right. walk home. Yeah. And then be like, this guy. Be like, which one? Like someone's holding the gun. Like, which one is it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting one. The, the, the principles of foundation that happen for him as, as um, uh, kind of weird, apocryphal, uh, Things of Ashmedai, Asmodeus, uh, being not only like weirdly labeled the demon of lust, mm. um, which is, we know the origin of that, or at least when it first appears, but older than that being perhaps just wrath 
wrathful energy entity, uh, a deva of, uh, and going through the Persian, but then modern Jewish scholars saying, no, 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 it's not Persian. It didn't come from that. Don't try and, it, it is this other thing. Um, I love that when we, when we argue historicity and how that goes and how it changes and like, is this really what we want to spend the next two hours arguing right now? Um, <laughs> but uh, that uh, Ashmadai, Asmodeus, Asmodei, and he has a bunch of other SH names too, um, who sometimes one of them is his father, if it's not Solomon, and it goes back and forth because he's the stone demon. Um, but that uh, gets very built up in post-paperback occultism, <laughs> let's say, of being because of the, the woodcut and the way he looks and this very threatening ruling figure that is uh, known to be a child of divine blood of, of Solomon and therefore of the same lineage of Jesus mm. that there is, since Jesus is from David's line, that there is actually this, uh, this whole thing going back that is... It's this, an extra abomination. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And now he's in the room, um, watching and waiting. Uh, so, okay, anything else that stirs your toes about As uh, Asmodeus? Or I mean, he's one of the, the, the long-form texts In uh, by the time we get to the 72 as well, which I think just, again, to bang that drum, highlights that these aren't a single set of spirits um, that occur in one place at one time that you know, mostly drawn from a variety of sources, from very, very old things that have even older and, uh, you know, precedent, uh, along with, you know, as I said before, like German bogeymen and things that look like fae and things that, um, you know, spirits uh, that seem to have cohered around particular, um, you know, murders and things like that, as well as uh, a variety of sources from Canaanite uh, and, and, and pre-Christian, uh, mythologies and and religions and demonology, mm -hmm. uh, and so they they really are you know um, they're the seventy two because that's where the the list stopped not because you know um, despite because what, the Shanghan Parash yeah that's yeah this is exactly where I was going despite you know Doctor Shanghanporash we're right going after that I love that pronunciation <laughs> um, okay so I, it also in that because of the promulgation of demon of lust and things like this that does happen after the it's the Suminarchia demonorum that is that what first oh footnote it um mm -hmm. but uh named as one of the ones that witches serve because of the overlap of lust there and therefore a kind of catch-all mm -hmm. demon um i do find the the naming of demon or angel blood quite interesting and if you overlap it with Jin lore around the same entity which exists um, in in uh, Muslim lore of Islamic lore that um, the difference between jinn and angel is is more defined um, than it is in the West where we're like we have angels and everything else what is a demon and that Iblis is technically a jinn who was raised as an angel because of his amazing ability and this is why he could go against the will of God because angels cannot and it explains the the conundrum there for that. Um, but that 10,000 years before men were created, there was a jinn civilization and God saw one that was really beautiful and really amazing and raised him up as an angel and said, you are like an angel to me and this is all these other things happening. But then to have the Agrapa Malath sometimes said to be in the form of Bilkis or the Queen of Sheba coming mm. and being the, the thing that inhabits, inhabits that and allows Ashmodai to come in um, is very interesting to me. 
And the distinction within most of the things you read on jinn, am I right in thinking that the, the idea is angels are made of light yes. and the jinn are made of fire, smokeless fire? fire. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're related, but they're, they're both pre-existing mm -hmm. from uh, to people who are made of clay. <laughs> but yeah, the, this, the, and angels are an extension of the will of God. Whereas jinn was the first, the jinns were the first, jinns, the genie, were the mm. first uh, go around of attempting a creation that had properties that were like divine nature. And jinn coming from the same root as jinnah of the Garden of Eden. So it's the hidden people, the hidden ones, which when you put it in that larger perspective, instead of just thinking of giant blue Aladdin lamp type of thing, anything that is unseen that you can feel in the world is a jinn and there are different races they have different religions and there are people who are far more adept than i to speak on jinn but it is a fascinating thing because of its influence especially on weird folk catholic iberian things which goes into the new world of like why is there suddenly this thing of uh azazel or asriel being the angel of death and from like if you go into do franco's tomb and there's azriel like standing there as one of the primary four archangels and you're like okay this is not what I'm used to in Catholicism, <laughs> but that's interesting. Let's let's continue yeah. along that stream. We get uh, similar stuff with Paracelsian things as well about elementals. The mm -hmm. idea that they're not just you know waiting to turn up at your at your right. That they, <laughs> the whole world is not there to serve me. Right, imagine. <laughs> no, that they're they you know they're, they're getting on with their day. You know the earth elementals are living in the chaos of earth. That mm -hmm. that we would have walk through the chaos of air, and that you know that they're, they're getting on raising their kids and. You know, taking them to school and uh, raising elemental sheep so that they can like knit elemental textiles and make mm -hmm. elemental clothes and things mm -hmm. like this, and they're just they're, they're doing their own thing. And uh, I mean, for for Paracelsus, it's uh, interesting to see the the parallels or, or, or contrasts with gin uh, uh, business. That's the crucial reason that you would uh, maybe come across them and, and and maybe convince them to work with you as a magician is that they kind of have souls, but they definitely don't have. Christian souls, mm -hmm. but they might. But they want to have sex with you so that they can have like, like halflings. They can have children, <laughs> yeah, yeah. children with souls. So, so they can make yeah, tieflings, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's the, so the, like don't fuck them. Basically, is mm -hmm. my advice to you. Right. Oh, it, and if you go into Jin lore, there are distinctly people who have Jin bloodlines, and like Bilkis, who is or the Queen of Sheba, who is said to be either half Jin or all these other things going on. You can tell from the eyes that a dark ring around the eye uh, signifies Jin blood. And other things of the nature that, um, huh, what is it? Uh, when you go into, when you're going to perform a magical operation that you announce to the jinn in your house, I am going to do something really obnoxious to you in about a half hour. <laughs> so I'm giving you this chance, perhaps go for a walk with your little ones. Come back in four hours. I will make sure it is hospitable again. <laughs> mm -hmm. To say, like, I'm about to do a major exorcism healing ritual on someone, a client who's coming in, but to announce to those jinn, because there are, Faithful jinn, meaning Muslim jinn, if you're from them, or there's Christian jinn, there's Buddhist jinn, there's jinn that have converted to every world religion because it makes sense in that way. There are also jinn that have no moral code, and this is the, you know, it's an interesting thing of the belief in the hidden ones for a Muslim is Quranic, so you cannot debate it. You cannot debate that jinn exist. You can say that I don't speak of such things because I don't want to, mm -hmm. but a Christian, oftentimes you get a lot of Christians like, yeah, angels, whatever. I don't know if I believe in those. This kind of picking and choosing mm -hmm. of like what is canonical is interesting. But for for Muslims, it's like, no, 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 jinn exist. They are one of the three races. So there's no debating what, that they exist and that there's hidden things in the world. You just might not want to speak of it. Like mm -hmm. I'll stick to what I can see and hear and know, which is the revealed word through Muhammad and, and go in that way. That's similar to the Shadim, right? Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. The Shadim and Shadim, the, the two different kind of classes that might be very much related. Demons everywhere. <laughs> Demon I like game. the idea of having a care to their kids. Of like, they might not <laughs> want to see this. And it's something we've said before about, you know, um, that your magic affects the people around you as well. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's one thing to be a, a badass magician, uh, but it, it's, it's quite another when, you know, your defenses, you're not extending your... Uh, you know, your care and your spiritual hygiene, etc., to, to anyone else. But the idea of extending it even further than that, of like, you know, this 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 ritual is PG-13. Right? You know. <laughs> or, even, or even the notion of, like, modern life, of what it means to have a room that you might be able to dedicate towards magic, or maybe it's your mattress shoved against the wall so you can do your nine-foot circle, and you finish your, like, depart to your sacred realms, and then you hear Barney playing in the next room because your three-year-old is, like, you know, having to be entertained while you do this and the devil stuff, um, well, which is its own... <laughs> interesting reality check of like okay. of imaginal mind and you know this thing of like what we can go on uh what was the oh sorry there was something that i was reading in preparation for today that was so interesting with looking at uh oh okana and tristicia mm -hmm. that the, the um there can be a lot of stock built up in presenting an illusory form of oneself but illusion cannot sustain illusion. So you will meet the reality of the fall eventually. Mm. It cannot sustain itself. So you can think yourself grandiose. And if you are fortunate enough to be removed from the world enough that you can sustain that, but at some point you will meet the fall. And that is part of what's tied into, into that Odu. Mm. Of you, you, can, you, can, you can write checks that, you can't, that can't be cashed yet. But at some point there's going to be a repercussion. Mm. And that's interesting. Just in that side of like... I am the master of the universe! And then your power gets shut off because you didn't pay your bills. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the, the reality of what these things are. You can, you can have sex with the crazy fairy demon queen that comes from afar who, you know, I love me some good right. Shiva. But <laughs> at some point, your Cambion child might show up and try and stay to steal your throne from you. You're going to have to walk seven times 70 leagues to get back to your place of business and, and you know, oust your pseudo-demon child. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. 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 Things to be aware of. <laughs> Why does anybody do magic? <laughs> um, well, okay, so on that note, um, I thought I'd pick your brains on this. So why, as... Um, I'm going to pull you both into being necromancers because, one, as a fellow um, Catholic... Uh, uh, what do... There's so many terms for it, but the 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 those among us that 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 believe the the, the church is not the end all be all of what Catholicism right. is. Catholicism is a culture and a practice, and what that is. Oh yeah, I mean, I separate the forms of Catholicism from the church. Basically. Yes, um, and even the the concept of what the church is versus what the Pope or the doctrine or all these things are, um, and the ancestral practice there. So I I always consider Catholicism a, a really badass form of Orthodox necromancy right. to begin with, and as someone who is. Um, Historically, genetically Catholic, but and then raised in a Protestant environment, who is coming to it from another angle, but not necessarily raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. You're a full-on necromancer in the very British sense of <laughs> necromancer. Why angels? Why? I mean, as a Catholic, I get that side of it, but still, the importance of why involve yourself, because the the cult of um, just two questions here, I guess, of like to a necromancer, why angels? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the importance of of that, or what is the impulse of that? Um, and also as a, as a Catholic magic something, 
some better term than what I just said. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, there's a distinct difference in the feeling for me, at least, and I think this is talked about uh, by many of a saint who has died and has lived a, a human life has a different ear for us mm -hmm. than the angels. And in fact, like during confirmation, when you're said you have to pick a name, you're often told you can't pick angels because that's not actually an intercessor for you. Right. They protect everyone and have to go for everyone. So pick a dead person. So like my family tradition has been named after someone who's died in our family for, for confirmation to pick their, their name as your new namesake, which was Gabriel. And I was like, oh, it'll be Archangel Gabriel. They're like, you cannot do that. <laughs> I was like, never mind. I'm going to do the other Gabriel who was an actor. Go for it. Yes, but it's still named for a dead person or an angel. So I propose that to both of you, maybe to... Well, from a Catholic's point of view, um, I feel like, well, and also, um, this is this is also just a, a magical point of view, too, but I mean, something that uh, someone who, uh, Madeline Montalban, or whatever, who, you know, who did a lot of angel magic stuff, um, she talks about Raphael as being sort of the, uh, this messenger, and that, you know, that is his job, sort of as this mercurial angel, and also one thing that she talks about specifically is that Raphael is who you pray to when you don't know who to ask. And so he sort of ensures that your message goes to the right place. But um, I see Raphael as sort of like an intercessor. Uh, so basically, like, I can pray to a saint. If I'm doing an avena or something to a saint that I want something from, then I ask Raphael to help. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of like, because you usually, um, when you pray to a saint, a lot of the prayers are framed in terms of like, God, like, get... Teresa of Avila to do this for me instead mm -hmm. of you praying to them directly. And mm -hmm. so I sort of see it as like you pray to the saint and then you, the saint brings, you know, then you pray to Raphael who takes your message to the saint to God sort mm -hmm. of thing. So it's like a, a channel, I guess, you know, but then also, I mean, I guess from a magical standpoint point of view, it, calling on angels is kind of like bringing the big guns, I guess, especially mm -hmm. if you're like working with demons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If you, if you want to bind a demon, you can call in an angel to like help you or to bring more authority or power to your working, you mm -hmm. know, um, especially since, you know, uh, Raphael like specifically has this, you know, history of binding demons as well, even though, you know, not just killing them. Right. <laughs> Interestingly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, that's, you know, my take on it kind of, I guess. Yeah. I think definitely the sense of bringing in an authority that's not yours, we get, an interesting example in, oh, haven't talked about this in two seconds, the excellent book of the Art of Magic, uh, where... <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, take a shot. Uh, cheers. Where, for a start, you have... Uh, it's, 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 it's squinty if we're talking angels, technically, because there are... St. Luke gets very involved, and the four evangelists, have, there are visions of them with wings in, in togas and bare feet uh, around a golden four-sided hill and they're doing angelic type stuff they're delivering messages they're instructing and they're told that you know after being evangelists they've been kind of like leveled up it's Glastonbury in heaven uh, it, exactly it's the tour and if you take the the, 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 the red stream then you can go up the hill and if you take the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly it's definitely Camelot uh, and Atlantis the big deal in why you would uh, bring those in, uh, why you would bring this angelic presence in, uh, is is clearly laid out that Humphrey Gilbert, the the operator, uh, as opposed to to John Davis, the scryer, 
uh, is categorically told to stop swearing at all these spirits, even mm -hmm. these like, you know, categorically unclean spirits, the, the demon princes of Oriens uh, and Paimon et al. And uh, also, you know, a variety of other uh, spirits that turn up in other uh, grimoires categorically as, as, as unclean spirits or, or even devils. But he's constantly, the, 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 the boilerplate um, uh, maledictions, he, he often jumps straight to malediction, like do what I want or you will burn in this hell, mm -hmm. this saint will never speak to you again, this saint will like, you know, uh, uh, steal one of your socks, this saint will, you know, etc, etc, <laughs> like just lists of horrible things. Uh, that, Who are you going to pray to now? Right, 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 right. So there's some restitutionism in there, which is interesting anyway. But the, the idea is that um, he's, he's doing this and in the end, uh, uh, St. Luke turns up and says, stop swearing so much. This is not this is not yeah. making you know nice New Testament God happy at all, and it's working. But um, if you need to do that, you should just call me and and some other angelic saints, and we'll come in and do that for you, so you don't have to. And what fascinates me about that is that it's somewhere between. And then like you don't have to do the sinning yourself. Or yeah. Whatever. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 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 because they're already you know being told they're going to be prophets, so they're mm -hmm. already on the fast track. Of a particular kind of holiness so they get the power with it but then they have to be careful about the responsibility of it and what I love about this idea of an intermediary uh, angel in that sense of not the one you call to call the demon but the mm -hmm. one you call to make the demon do what you want once it's turned up in the stone is right. that it seems a halfway house Friends between high places yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah it seems a halfway house between Agrippa's two um, modalities of necromancy that he lists which are either you boss it around with the, the names of God yourself which is what Gilbert and Davies are doing prior to that, or you make full-on sacrifice and worship it, which is like, they're both terrible because, you know, you shouldn't deal with bad spirits anyway. But that was a connection of witchcraft. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get King James saying what's the difference between a witch and a necromancer, a witch worships the devil and the necromancer tries to tell it what to do, which is again that one and two, uh, or two and one, I should mm -hmm. say. And I, that idea of, of, of getting an angel involved as, as, a, um, as one that will beat the spirit for you, Mm -hmm. um, so you, your hands remain. Which brings up my favorite parallel of modern TV, which I know I've talked about before, but the, exorcist, the modern exorcist series, where in looking at the kind of classic exorcism para, um, paradigm of command and like the power of Christ compels you that they go to a convent and there's nuns using the litany of Laredo to love mm -hmm. the demon mm -hmm. out of the person. Yeah. And the, they're getting their asses kicked, of course, because, I mean, it's a horrible demon, yeah. but it's still an interesting thing of like trying to love it and surround it with the love of God. So this Marian binding, which for me, to go back to the Queen of Sheba, is a whole, there's a whole alternate tradition in some forms of witchcraft of not doing so much. I'm really so that show got canceled, by the way. R.I.P. that show. It was so good. Did it really? Yeah, there was only, there was only two seasons. Okay. Well, I mean, the story does yeah. stop at a certain point, but... It was good, though. Uh, that the, the kind of Queen of Sheba route is to talk about go back to your kingdom and there's a desert between us and there are times when it is safe to traverse that and there's times where my gates will be open and there are other times where it's not and i control my fortress just as you control yours and i will not tell you what to do in your in your land so go home here i'm sending you on your way with good gifts have a good eternity talk to you later whereas solomon's like kill 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 yeah. mandate you know push you into a stone and as asmodeus becomes a jinn king right after he's expelled and so becomes one of the highest forms of the lords of the jinn um, and then remembering also that sometimes he is the child of Adam and Nama, the, the force of prostitution, mm -hmm. which is its own interesting strangeness. Mm -hmm. Adam had a lot of children. His seed got stolen a lot. He didn't mm -hmm. know what to do with those wet dreams. 
Like, gird your loins, children of Earth. <laughs> okay. What is... Do, what is the what is the paradigm where problems of doing things uh, as you get older? Don't remember anything. Um, sounds like you need Raphael. It sounds like I need not only Raphael and my learning magic and my smart drugs, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the 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 thing of writing magic of <laughs> oh, notes. But um, the process by which, when right after you call the angels that you are meant to call the, the, the four princes of hell, which we talked about that whole thing of like if you raise up that you the vacuum cannot be there. You have to pull something under you to, to, to sustain your trajectory, your rung on the ladder. Mm -hmm. And so there is this intrinsic relation between angel and demon here Turn of like, yeah, <laughs> angels all the way down. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them are just a little more fallen than others. Ninja um, Turtles all the way down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Pedro's, nice. Pedro's mm -hmm. all the way down. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Barring into that, since I need Raphael, what is, uh, talk a little bit about your uh, angelic smart drugs. The classic is the Ars Notoria um, of a bunch of the notary art, which is also sometimes translated as the notorious art as well. <laughs> right? The notary art of like, <laughs> I need to have my rent uh, yeah, right. at least done in like... Yeah, in triplicate. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 The bureaucracy of heaven as well as hell. Ooh. Joe, comedy of justice right there. <laughs> Rank Catholic's privileges. Big theme in that book. Amazing. So There's that, like actually a statue of Job like when you get out of the train here and there's been so many days where I've just like come home from work and I'm like, Oh, I had the worst day. And then I look up and see the statue of Jared and then I feel like, and then I like feel like so much better because I'm like, Oh, well. send me a picture of this. Yeah. <laughs> at least I'm like, have at least all I'm the not you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all my limbs. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, bless. No fleece for you. It's a little bit like that. Um, the, uh, it's used in our Catholic school book on, world religions junior year high school of the uh, I think it's Bhagavad Gita I'm not sure um, of uh, asking to see the magic of God asking to see what Maya is what is illusion mm. and nothing happens Krishna just goes okay and the man goes home meets his wife lives his full life has grandchildren has everything and right as his great grandchild was born there's a giant storm that comes and he sees all of his family suffering and dying and being drowned and the world falling apart and the world is filling up with water in my memory of this it's been a few years since i've read this but as he's like gurgling his last breath suddenly he's back on the hill and Krishna says now you realize the power of maya and That's also, like, there's also an episode of star trek tnv i was gonna say the flute yeah yes yes, yes. oh my god it's like the same yeah yes. That's like that episode is like so heartbreaking it, it is anyway. and when they're like what happened and he's yeah. like oh <laughs> yeah. yeah he just like oh, God. Yeah. and then as the, and as the as the enterprise goes into the void of space you hear the melody again yeah totally oh wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that is in siddhartha too right yeah i, I, I want to say that's in siddhartha it might be it's been but it's been not. when i realized that i came to New York for college 20 years ago this autumn, I realized there's been a few years since I've read a few things that I still yeah, talk same. about. Yeah, same. So yeah, don't forget. Please don't quote me on that. Yeah. How's <laughs> the baby in the room? <laughs> uh, we will footnote it to our error. My error. Mm -hmm. Angel drugs. Tell me how to get smart. Angel <laughs> <laughs> what angel do I swallow? You want to some angel drugs. you got to really shake them. Oh. Uh, it's yeah, amazing how much. Snort some angels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> snort, swallow, suppository, something. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's a combination of prayers that are said at particular times and uh, signs or seals, uh, which don't appear don't appear to be the signatures of spirits. It doesn't seem quite right to call them seals um, or even sigils uh, in either the term of a, a, a squiggle that does a thing or a squiggle that has a, a, a person or a spirit uh, in it or attached to it. But they're missing, crucially, from the, from the 17th century version of it that gets published by... Oh, they're not Robert in yours. Turner. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not... Yeah. Mm, how about that? Someone uh, forgot to put them in, it seems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It didn't work too well. Mm -hmm. How about that? There's been some great work uh, done relatively recently on the Ars Notoria, also as a dream incubation um, guide and collection uh, by uh, Claire Fanger, and also Sophie Page has done some stuff on it as well, and specifically following That's for... a cool name, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I got to meet her at a, a recent uh, conference at Oxford, and she was very, very cool. Very, very cool indeed. Hi, Claire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their, their thing is following uh, John of Marigny, a particular monk who uh, has a vision of Mary. He, he, he gets uh, a necromantic book uh, and is working through it and then becomes terrified because he can't work out whether the results are coming from angels or demons. And, you know, it, it's a caller ID issue. Uh, and also he's getting visions of uh, Jesus dressed as his direct superior in the monastery, like mm -hmm. kicking him downstairs and waking up and not knowing if he deserved it or not. Uh, so there's a bunch of stuff around um, working it specifically uh, through through dream incubation. And, and I think between the lines, you could argue that some of the, the notary arts of it might be redeemable that way. But certainly there's, you know, the, the, the text that we get widely circulated in the 17th century is full of, uh, you know, nomina barbara, uh, vocus magicae, um, Barbarous words um, that, that it's is translated barbarous names into Latin, which makes it still <laughs> not barbarous anymore. There's uh, there's the chaos in you, Alan. So disappointing. <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff around. Again, you know, not just make me smarter in general, but specifically help me learn Latin uh, and uh, or other languages, particularly. But Gary's, oops, sorry, just. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because there's then there, then you have demonic permutations of like specific causes where like helps you learn herbalism, how, helps you learn how many of them the liberal arts. Yeah. Always the liberal arts. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Women appear nude before me and teach me the liberal mm. arts. Mm -hmm. it, it, well, there is a, a whole <laughs> school of thought that says that this was mainly being worked, the clerical underground was mainly students. Mm. Uh, and so the idea of like something to help you pass an exam uh, and then something to have the, you know, the king's money transported from his house to yours. Mm. But how weird would it, or how accurate would it be if it was a bunch of people creating farce and using the language of scripture mm -hmm. in order to create new demons mm -hmm. that are humorous jabs at each other and seeing what happens in the in the, like what was done in the early days of the internet where you had prominent magicians specifically putting fake information out there to see it come back three years later as like I've my grandmother worked this day trap like, streets yeah right. yeah you know yeah it's not blind, it's to see who's using, yeah, who's using the fake currency mm -hmm. and claiming it as their own. Yeah, no, entirely. Uh, stacking the, I don't know what that's called, but yeah, it's not quite stacking the deck, it's something. In, in, in cartography, it's specifically the, the... Putting a bunch of dildos out there and calling them real. <laughs> um, and waiting for them to fly out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to hit you in the face <laughs> um, when you get off the train. Um, huh. What is... Uh, is there a connection to, I mean, like, because you have the... Uh, 
<laughs> uh, the, the Ars Memoria type of, of practice that develops, which is distinctly praising the faculty of the human mind and building a certain visualizations mm -hmm. that starts to happen um, with uh, Bruno. And do those types of <laughs> learning drugs, angel, angel drugs, um, do they start to cohabit the same time space as that? Or does one start to replace the other? Is there... I think the the like uh, method of loci, for instance, the, the memory palace stuff uh, starts to, and yeah, I think Francis Yates's stuff. That's part of the least controversial things that she she's, she's talked about and been um, historiographized uh, in terms of like the art of memory stuff. Uh, that that seems to get such the one of the arguments is that it gets such results that people sack off the the other. Uh, appealing to angel stuff because mm -hmm. that's um, that's direct transmission is the idea. There's a there's a, a, a working there's a, a, a prayer charm which is one of the other difficulties of talking about the Arsenatoria is that on the one hand they're kind of prayers on the other hand like to please can God make me smarter but on the other hand they're charms of like if I say this thing then God has to make me smarter mm -hmm. um, or or an angel has to make me smarter. There's one particularly for uh, diagnosing whether a sick person will live or die. And the idea is you say this thing uh, out loud, you, you whisper something in their ear, uh, and some of them have versions of, you know, uh, a testable augury result. Like if they cough three times, uh, then they're okay. If they, if they cough, uh, you know, an even number of times, then, you know, start etching a, a tombstone. The other version is that the, the, the knowledge is just transmitted, that you, you just said to know. It's like a download. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you know Kung Fu. Yeah. Uh, it's not that the angel turns up and is like, uh, so the thing about you know anatomy is you know right. uh, he, you know the, his his all the uh, mnemonics for remembering the little bones in the feet. It's that suddenly you just know. Mm. Um, now that works better for prediction and prophecy, arguably, than it does for you know uh, whether or not you know the Latin word for something or you don't. Mm -hmm. But you do get all these fascinating endeavors where people are translating. Um, Languages that they don't consciously speak. And John Smith. Uh, right, John. Uh, but I'm not just talking about uh, glossolalia. I mean, uh, I'm thinking of one particular uh, religious um, sectarian of the of the ranters called uh, technically uh, born uh, Thomas Taney. Quickly changes his name to the Aurora John Taney. Um, he's he's awesome. He storms Parliament uh, with a rusty saber, claiming to be uh, the secret pope, uh, who is secret no longer. Uh, and also to rule Rome and, and, and Rome and various other places. Uh, he's, a, nice. he's a goldsmith. And like the Emperor Norton type of thing? Going yeah, on. yeah, he's very much like that. And he, and he gets to like do that kind of stuff for a very long time, precisely in the same mode of like, he's the, he's the eccentric that, you know, makes life more colourful for a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, but he does all, he is, he's so radically anti-formalist against these ideas of standardization of spelling, of universities, of formal priest training, that uh, he, he claims that he can, uh, he can translate uh, texts uh, from, from Aramaic, from Hebrew, from Greek, uh, precisely because he's simply moved by the divine spirit. And his, his divine spirit is unadulterated because he's too ignorant to have learned any of the lying learning that would prevent him from uh, knowing yeah. that stuff. He would be very popular in modern America. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Um, Go with your gut. Yeah, yeah. maybe you should run for <laughs> uh, It's interesting, uh, you know, can, it's interesting to combine them too. If you're building the mansion of your memory and your, your speech as you go and you walk through, making sure that there's perhaps a statue of the angel Raphael in every single room that should 
he liked to come to life while you're gone and rearrange the room to give you more information to add books upon the, the, the things in that room. Um, and can we? You, you come back and it's the uh, it's it's the, the grand detective who goes off the deep end, threading connecting everything with red thread. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like everything's doing decimals arranged all of a sudden. You're like, that's not the order I needed, but it's more efficient. <laughs> you wake up and suddenly your bed is on the ceiling and everything's it's different. Like, but it's more symmetrical this way. This is a fantastic sitcom. <laughs> um, my life with Raphael. Yeah. Um, who comes in the form of a turtle, a pet turtle in the corner. Yeah. Yes. Um, then but this is the thing, is this is how mnemonic things work, of the turtle becomes Raphael, that you can be like, there's a turtle shell, and suddenly that turtle shell is now a gramophone that's giving you information mm -hmm. directly from the mouth of God in your weird room that is actually meant to like teach you or remind you of the order of kingdom through species. Right. Right, right, right. Hmm. Turtle shell. Turtle shell. Turtles. Total show is that that's a little bit iridescent sometimes, isn't it? Uh, especially when it's wet. Mm. Yes. Mm. Especially you know, as the eyes of a turtle are, as after you've you know, hooked it on your fish hook of right. Raphael, which I see where you're going there, Stone Boy. <laughs> <laughs> is there something you'd like to say? Well, it, it brings to mind now that you mention it. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is, we're going, we're going like not even like deuterocanonical Agrippa here. We're just like going after like late 1700s. Wow, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's later than that, right? If we're going to talk yeah, Labradorite. Yeah, 1770s, yeah, mm -hmm. I think, right? Yeah. So Labradorite, uh, quote unquote, discovered by what? Discovered. Uh, <laughs> discovered. Right, right. <laughs> Liberated. Yeah, right. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I have the accent for it. The Free People's Army of, yeah, anyway. Labradorite, a, a, a stone whose opalescence is named after itself, of, of labradorescence, uh, a, a grey stone with... Uh, and named after the Canadian province. The what? Yes, the, the Canadian. Right, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the United States of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, found uh, that particular place, Labrador, mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, named after it, with uh, a variety of the same kind of paragraphs, sometimes copy and pasted entirely on various yes. websites about mm. Inuit slash Eskimo law yes. uh, concerning the aurora borealis yes. being trapped in the stone or, 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 or being um, uh, carefully secreted in the stone. If anybody knows the actual reference for that. Oh, yeah, yeah I, mean, I know, because I it's like whatever that, those things get passed around in like on sort of like dubious New Age websites, I'm yes. always like... A, it sounds like somebody took a, a written description from a New Age stone provider. Yeah, in the or like 80s a geo, like, like a GeoCities website <laughs> from like 1997 or whatever. And then like I, there's a chaos around. magic origin story of it that it is actually a Labrador that swallowed the devil and then he pooped out a Labradorite. Well, and like, that actually that, rules, and I'm gonna go with that. Absolutely. And when you shatter the stone, when Jesus tried to shatter the stone to get rid of the devil's power, mm -hmm. they just made more of them, mm -hmm. and that's the source of that, all Labradorite in the world. That's amazing. Thank you, New York Cavs, late 1990s. Because yeah. <laughs> um, it was just the thing of like, some Eskimo already, uh, we're off to a bad start. Uh, yeah, that right. Um, exactly. You know, it's trying to free the Aurora Borealis and put it back into the sky, but he couldn't do all of it. And that's where the source of Labradorite This feels like we're missing something. So mm -hmm. if anyone knows the actual story there, if it provides more, maybe that is the actual full story. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels really dubious yeah. when we can't actually quote it yeah. as anything other than GeoCities or right. Angel Fire. Yeah, totally. <laughs> angel drugs, Angel Fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the gifts are amazing. Yeah. Um, 
One of the reasons we wanted to talk about it though was that, uh, you know, Vanessa and I in talking about it found that we both started working with it as a... Mercurial uh, yeah. stone. Yeah. Right, or, or as a way of approaching those... And why would you think approaches. it was a mercurial stone well, based on its Jesse, lack of description in any pre-1917-70s? Well, because, one, well, one, for one, um, uh, both Agrippa and William Lilly in Christian astrology uh, attribute uh, two Mercury stones that are multicolored, mm -hmm. which Labradorite is. Um, it, it usually is just gray if you look at it, but then if you turn it in the sun, it will sometimes turn like a yellow or a teal color. Mm -hmm. And then William Lilly uh, attributes the color of, when he's describing the colors attributed to Mercury, he says the neck of a stock dove, which is a pigeon, mm -hmm. and that's sort of like that gray color, but then it turns kind of a teal. In the the peacock feather kind Whatever. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and that has a very similar look. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, obviously you could make a case for it being, um, you know, under the dominion of other planets, but that's, for both of us, mm -hmm. that was what made the most sense for us. Yeah. And certainly, it, it also brings the, the wonderful thing about discussing something like that, right, in classical descriptions, is that classical descriptions come from observation of planetary influences and elemental influences in nature, mm -hmm. not a book of correspondence that was handed to Adam. Right, exactly. So the idea of, for your mercurial observation, you are using this thing, and it will have a certain quality that is different than perhaps if you used Quicksilver, perhaps less toxicity, um, perhaps bad New Age myths. <laughs> but it's going right. to be, it's knowing why it is, is more important or at least more interesting yeah. to be able to permutate on it in the future. Right, instead of just, you know, through it's also a beautiful freaking stone and yeah. I can say that it's Venusian in that way because it often is greenish mm -hmm. in that way. It could be a royal stone because, you know, it's, it is only through trade that I'm able to get it. I'm only able to buy it. It's not expensive, mm -hmm. but it could be Jupiterian because it has blues and mm -hmm. other things in it. Uh, the darker versions of it are called black moonstone or dark mm -hmm. moonstone. Um, so it has nothing to do with to me for the moon except for the changing face of the moon which then i can say uh, oh, I mean, both moon. the luminaries also rule stones that flash in the light mm -hmm. yes uh, and it's described slightly right. differently but yeah, yeah so you can make a case moon. for and certainly feldspar is such a boring name of, a, of yeah. its constituent you know <laughs> totally you know and 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 sam does have an article on online mm -hmm. of of the ascriptions towards it and, and is also pointing out the weirdness of like origin myths and things like that mm -hmm. um it brought up one thing in reading um, Sam's article uh, on the Digital Ambler of uh, because it is a feldspar, that all feldspars mythology or inscriptions are associated with it. And that's an interesting thing to be, that's a very modern perspective in that of backwards description right. of that um, plants that are related in the same genus don't necessarily have the same properties. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing to, to look at that too. I'm not, I'm not trying to contradict Sam, it's just a broad mm -hmm. interesting question there. How um, do we approach from the modern lens, going back and going, well, it's a silicate mineral, so let's apply all the silicate magic to it, which then, mercurially, that actually makes sense, because you have the knowledge now that it is that thing, so it can apply. Yeah. It's a lineage of, of the stone. Yeah. You would approach mm -hmm. it by its, like, you know, your father, your, your mother is this. Right. Uh, totally. Which is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I, I like that very much. Uh, Hayden, uh, in, in Thea Major, in his typical fashion of just, like, cribbing from other people actually specific has that same lovely thing about the pigeon's neck versus a mm -hmm. stock dove and, and also adds in or a pigeon like he does those little like, yeah, editorial pigeon, things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh but uh I, yeah I, I came across that in in, in making uh a, 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 a beaded tool for uh Tathathrath, the, mm. the the spirit or the, the woman spirit <laughs> of mercury Tathathrath. 
<laughs> a word with, with no teeth. You sound like an uh, Eeyore from Discworld. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, it's, it, 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 it seems to elicit um, in. some... <laughs> Maybe in the end. Okay, it's very good. It seems to elicit some very mercurial uh, effervescences. You know, it feels... Yeah feels fizzy, we were, we were talking about. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, this is like this is just obviously my own personal UPG, but I mean, the first time I ever got a big chunk of it, it felt like kind of like taking an Adderall in a way, like it was energizing in that same way. And so I thought that was interesting because, uh, you know, Adderall is a drug that you take to concentrate. Mm -hmm. and to learn like you know it's a, it's a student drug kind of in a lot of ways i mean not that's not its only use but um it, it had that sort of sort of energizing quality in a way that felt very airy to me as well you know but that's obviously that just my personal experience of it but i mean that for me personally like tied it to mercury as well and to and to raphael mm -hmm. almost in a way because of that whole like learning airy whatever connection sort of thing yeah i have a deep connection with it for dream just mm -hmm. because of the opalescent nature of it and the possibly also just because the chunk that I have of it from when I was like 11 has far more colors than other pieces that I see sometimes so it, mm -hmm. it, all possibilities are there but you have to look in between things and shift the focus mm -hmm. which dreamwise is such an interesting thing and it was it, the association association comes directly from uh, later from a teacher that I had who was very clear of like um, here's a traditional dream lore, um, very Spanish brain things going on here. And here's what I associated with it. So then like <laughs> selenite got brought in and, and mm -hmm. labradorite and it was like, felt very new age in contrast, but at the mm -hmm. same time, I can't not have the stones near that, near this kind of practice mm -hmm. in or near to my mind in these practices because uh, that opalescence is there and the selenite the, and the TV rock, the transmission that there were a lot of chaos that love to use the, the, the TV, um, what is it actually called? When you, it's, a, it's a type of, I think it's a silicate, where you put it down on something and you see the words at the top level of the stone, hmm. which is believed to be a Raphael connection by many chaos in this. I'll have to look it up. Um, it's often just called TV rock in English. Hmm. But if you have a piece of paper, it automatically looks, you can see the part that it's trend, the light comes up and you see it on the top part oh. of the stone. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, okay. It does exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, sometimes the alternate history in my mind. Um, but uh, all those things are interesting to me, like the recall, how to study opalescence in general. Like, it's not a color. Mm -hmm. It's a quality of light. And it's just, I was an art teacher for many years. Um, and people, you ask kids what their favorite color is. And, and my, my co-teacher would be very adamant. Like if they say black or white, we're going to argue that they're neutrals. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, but that's really like still what color card are you having? You go, it's a neutral. It's not a color. It's white. It's a white card. It you know, comes in a tube of paint. It, yes. Yeah. But the argument was like metallics mm. aren't colors. They're properties of light and color mixing. So oh, this is a very heraldic thing. As so well, yeah. Right? So it becomes of like. What do you do of copper? Copper is a mineral that is reddish. Like, what are you looking at with hematite? And it's, it's, is it red? Is it gray? Is it black? What, Green, yeah. you know, it, it's very difficult to figure these things out. And metal starts. Or it's like, like if you're looking at like a puddle of oil, like yeah. on the road or something like that, that's very mercurial. Like, yeah. That's what I think of when I think of mercury. You know? No, it's, it's, it's a great metaphor for all of that. And also with the, the opalescence, this, this acknowledgement of the layer and the interaction of your, your environment and your own light and the light of your ambiance between you and the substance that you're actually trying to look at is an interesting thing of Raphael being a, a intermediary mm -hmm. of like the, the yeah. shining, the shining nature of light around things, which also brings to mind the, the talks of the, um, David kind Smith has had about, 
Cliff Hop, that um, not the not the pseudo the horrible dark tree of Cliff Hop, but that sh the shell of something is the limits of its understanding, and that when the expansion of consciousness or understanding of something starts battering at that shell, it becomes Cliff Hop. It becomes a brilliant shell. The shell shatters and has a new container. There's a new shell outwards of it because there's a limit to that. We're trying to eventually get to the point where it's limitless light. But the idea that we can bring that opalescence to something by trying to understand it to a point, and it will shatter the boundary between us and them, which is an interesting, interesting thing of what's the new Raphael? Like, who's the new accompaniment on the journey? Which is what I was thinking of when you were saying that is so interesting of, it's not just traveling of like Michael, it doesn't ever seem like Michael is like on your shoulder in the mm -hmm. prayers of Michael, like go do my work, go kill all my enemies and then make the way safe right. for me. But Raphael is literally appearing as like he the homeless like man who was walking with you that you don't really know, right. who like holds the door open for you and like that might be God trying right. to help you on your journey and he'll keep reappearing in these forms. Mm -hmm. And the idea of like the sons of Ananias, that it's a whole clan of like guardian angels that show up and what that is. And the difference between like the, the kind of, um, Kabbalistic take on that that every blade of grass has an angel over it saying grow and then it disappears and then another angel appears over it and says grow and that itself there are angels doing that then we who are advanced blades of grass in that worldview have an angel that's coming to us like turn right or just breathe or <laughs> just love yourself today or <laughs> stop the coffee pot from exploding or whatever it is like that type of thing is an interesting thing of opalescence mm -hmm. also hard to describe, but is this quality we can also get lost in it. We can get lost in that. Where is the advice? What is the advice? Did I mishear it versus just actually just noticing it for what it is? Is the moon's corona considered a kind of, that's not really an opalescence in, in a strict term of like a stone, but a, an optics effect of that kind of black rainbow yeah, thing around I can, it? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know if that's canon or whatever, but right. I mean, I can definitely, I can definitely feel, see that quality. Yeah. I like moon dogs that. too. Yeah. yeah. Moon dogs and sun dogs. Mm -hmm. um, Certainly the, the moon reflection thing of like the monkey trying to, the parable of the monkey grabbing mm -hmm. the moon um, is certainly there. Okay. Labradorite, which is also, it is, yes, heavily prevalent in Canada, but I also was reading that, uh, and there are a lot of um, First Nations artifacts, Canadian, that are made from it. Um, but also heavily in Madagascar, which is interesting. Mm. Um, there's not that there's, I didn't read things of art being made from it, but so much that it is found there. It is one of the sources of, um, Labradorite and also Northern Russia and places like that. So it's interesting that it's following a band of circumpolar, um, but without any stretch or segue, it's just that it starts with an L. Lavender? Lavender. Lavender. What? And and sometimes our show note or show topics are kind of random, and sometimes we're like, oh, we'll just we haven't picked one yet. Let's pick one. And sometimes it's this is kind of reminds me of something we can link to. Um, did you have a a thought particularly? Because I know both of you. Um, I mean, I think in terms of you know his uh, lavender's connection to Raphael, like in our our reasoning was one that lavender is a mercurial. Uh, plant mm -hmm. but then also um that it is a heal a, a, a healing plant yeah, yeah. Uh, you know so it's it's associated with things like headaches or um depression like it, it's calming and then it also is a really powerful um, antiseptic mm -hmm. and you can also use it as like a bug spray mm -hmm. and stuff like that which like obviously you know we in this day and age you don't have to like worry about getting a bug bite and dying like but you know a long time ago like that would have been sort of a lot more 
useful and important. Mm -hmm. But um, but I mean, obviously, like lavender has way more like wide ranging uses and implications, like than that. You know, magically, it's used in peaceful home type stuff. I think mm -hmm. the most and that sort of thing. But I mean, in terms of so we ended up using uh, lavender in a couple of the recipes that we used in the book just mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it's such a powerful healing plant. Yeah. Yeah. And has those associations and, and is used in a variety of ways as well. I mean, obviously the, the translation is of, of, you know, the thing that is washed or the, the washing plant or things associated with water and washing, which again is interesting in terms of his rulership of, of air typically, mm -hmm. but also air and water being so And the New Testament reference of the baths and the yeah. mm -hmm. waters there. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then also, um, you know, because it's a it's an herb that's uh, really calming and it's something that's used for, um, you know, depression or anxiety. And so, um, you know, the what we were talking about in the pamphlet a bit about, about uh, you know, not just exercising literal demons, but, you know, demons of the mind mm -hmm. and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Which Buddhists would argue there's no difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like, not, you know, no, definitely not trying to, you know, put forth a, a psychological model right. of spirits or whatever, but, you the, know, the, both, both, of, the both of them are yeah. real. I, I find uh, lavender an interesting because of the way the plant grows itself, that it needs arid soil that it, it relies on a lot of sun, um, intermittent water. It thrives and it makes more oil and is more heavily scented the harsher its living conditions are. Mm -hmm. And that what is called French lavender in England is called Spanish lavender in the rest of the world. And it's a different species, which is oftentimes, I think, Storky's, um, the versus the, the, the more garden lavender, which smells mm -hmm. good, but isn't necessarily as producing of the, the oils. Mm -hmm. And one provide, needs a harsher environment for sure to grow. Um, but also that I saw unattested and unfootnoted that some people say that it's spikenard in like other things. And yep. I was like, don't have, I have don't not seen that before. Like yep. arguing that spikenard, that there's a similar thing with hyssop and, and the zatha herb type of thing mm -hmm. versus, um, Yeah, I came across that too. So in the, the recipe of the, the Song of Solomon, where they list a bunch of different things that, that it's said that the, the word nard, which is also nerd, mm -hmm. uh, funnily enough. Um, in, in, in some derivation of the, the Hebrew back into uh, English somewhere includes, uh, yeah, that, that's the nard it's talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's also called oil of spike uh, by mm -hmm. Culpepper as well. The, the chemical oil mm -hmm. of it, is also, he says, is also called oil of spike. So yeah, I mean, it does have, a, the plant itself has a tuft of spike as well. So, yeah, yeah. And certainly the, the, it brings to mind the, the washing of um, Jesus with spikenard oil by mm. the Magdalene of this whole other thing of like lavender there to prepare, prepare for the great sleep perhaps and to calm the mind before going through torture. Mm -hmm. And that lavender is heavily associated with sleeping and therefore by extension and dreams. Embalming. And embalming. Uh, probably because of the antiseptic thing mm -hmm. too practically yeah. makes and sense. And smell, you know, to make the corpse smell not as bad, I yeah. guess. What do you have against corpse smell? I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice on a Sunday, but not every day. That's a very different kind of body shaming. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Soothing and calming. Uh, okay, bit of, uh, you know, um, Cummins family. Law my father will be the quickest <laughs> to run to lavender oil if anyone is even slightly burned by something. Mm -hmm. uh, very good for, for, for healing burns. And that was my yeah, main exposure true. to it. And that idea of not just bringing good calm, but of, of soothing something hot 
mm, uh, specifically yeah. the, the effects of great heat mm -hmm. uh, also feels uh, very apt for talking about the transmutation of something to something else. Mm -hmm. Certainly lavender oil is one of the migraine remedies too. Yeah, migraine and peppermint that. oil uh, on the temples, which is half soothing and it calms down, but I think also is the cooling effect of on a vasodilative migraine. Right. You know, migraines they respond to hot or cold. And um, <laughs> you know very quickly which one it is. Yeah, it's um, cold for me. And and what that is, but it's uh, and also the the differences in, in lavender oils that you can get. Some are very camphoritic mm -hmm. and have a, a high camphor content to their smell, um, and others are less so, um, which brings out different qualities on the aromatherapy side of it. I, I love this notion that when you when you think about it as balancing, it actually makes sense of a lot of the otherwise contraindicative looking things. You know, it's said to be good to help you wake up in the morning and good to help you fall asleep at night. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it, it, it's both, uh, it, it's found in plenty of uh, love spells, mm -hmm. uh, but also found in spells to uh, restrain lust, mm -hmm. which is specifically given as a sort of subcategory of some kinds of peaceful mm -hmm. home uh, mm -hmm. working. So it's, it's, it's. Well, it, because how do you keep your, everybody, everybody should be satisfied, which means a little chaste tree in the life, a little lavender in the life. Let's calm everybody's libido, which is also connected to rage, the red emotions mm -hmm. of lust and anger. Yes. Yeah, and mean, it's also, and it's also like used, I know, in hoodoo and stuff as, as well as something like that you put, the, that you would use to sort of make your target more susceptible mm -hmm. to things because it's like putting them at ease, basically. Mm -hmm. There's a few origin myths too because you get overlapping origin myths with rosemary. Mm. And that rosemary gets its color from the virgin taking her cloak off after, and putting her cloak on a plant. And that lavender gets its color from her taking baby Jesus's clothes and putting it on a plant. Mm. So um, there's a similar... A mother-son thing. A mother-son thing there, and the, predicting the, the martyrdom to come. And then um, rosemary's mercurial as well, right? And solar, and by some extension, okay, so, lunar. Yeah. So we're finding the same kind of weird yeah, overlap. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, especially with the, the kind of Marian Jesus site. Wow. Um, mm. Josh White, I don't know. Whatever the, the adjectival form is. Um, I find the a couple of things that just uh, as far as how to segue into that because we're talking so much about folk use but also just our own observations with lavender and um, I, I want to make sure that we at least mention her uh, because Hildegard is pretty freaking awesome um, and uh, I, I, I do imagine that we'll do a full episode to her in the future um, but as far as a dead magician, I really like invoking a saint as a dead magician. We've done it with yeah, a few others, but I think Hildegard is quintessentially important. Um, one, because uh, this is one of the first prominent female historical mystics that we mm -hmm. know existed, that we know was a visionary, considered herself a visionary, and the church stamped her visions as mm -hmm. approved and that she was the leader of certain convents. Um, and in addition to that, in addition to being one of the first female musicians that is authored authorship in that way to, to stop the anonymous chain, I think there's also an interesting point um, brought up by uh, Becky uh, in talking about her was that if Hildegard had been born three centuries later, she would have been accused of witchcraft and killed. But witchcraft for what it is and what we imagine it to be had not been invented yet as a political crime to describe right. and taken these pseudo-Jewish accusations, 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 mm -hmm. um, that, that fueled the, the witchcraft panic. Um, but because of what it is, the church controlled it and said, 
fine, put a stamp on it, put her in a convent, let's get some butts in the seat, let's have people go see her and praise her and see, you know, see what, how we can use her for this thing. And the Sybil of the Rhine, as she was, we're talking a thousand years ago, um, is still, has been recognized as a saint in many, for many people in many parts of Catholicism. Um, there's also different orders of saints, so there can be local veneration of a saint, but not universal recognition, therefore not a universal feast day. And it, she was made officially universal saint by Benedict, the Emperor Palpatine, um, mm -hmm. which is one of the few things, he made a few saints that was very impressive, and she was named a doctor of the church. So there are very few female doctors, and she is one of them. And that is a big freaking thing. And to be able to read the works uh, like Sivius, which is, you know, know you the ways, uh, to be able to read her works, knowing that it is written by a woman, has always been said to have been written by a woman, and that she has a very unique relationship as a mystic, meaning that, like, she has her own Mohammedan moment where she shuns them away at first, her visions. She starts seeing things very young. Yeah, I think that she didn't, like, start talking about them until she was, like, in her 30s or something like that. Yeah, and she put them off and she got sick. Yeah. So she was like, oh, people... Um, Where's the quote? But I, but I, though I saw and heard these things, refused to write for a long time through doubt and bad opinion and the diversity of human words, not with stubbornness, but in the exercise of humility, of course, until laid low by the scourge of God. I fell upon a bed of sickness, then compelled at last by many illnesses and by the witness of a certain noble maiden of good conduct. And, and of that man whom I had secretly sought and found, as mentioned above, I set my hand to writing. While I was doing it, I sensed, and as I mentioned before, the deep profundity of scriptural exposition, and raising myself from illness by the strength I received, I brought this work to a close, though just barely in ten years. And I spoke and wrote these things not by the invention of my heart or that of any other person, but as the servant, uh, but as the, by the secret mysteries of God, I heard and received them in the heavenly places. And I again heard the voice from heaven saying to me, "Cry out, therefore, and write thus." It's a direct thing of Ikra of. Jibril coming to Muhammad and saying, right. Mm -hmm. And her and God saying, right, I told you to do this once. Why yeah. didn't you do it? You know, here comes the scourge of God. You're going to do this. And it's funny because her collection, her compendium of herbal lore is pseudoscientific, uh, uh, humoral theory, mm -hmm. along with full-on folk magic use of herbs, of like her oh, praise right. of certain trees. Like, this is the closest to God. And if you write something on it, your home will be blessed and no evil spirit can come through. Because there is no distinction between um, physical and spiritual at this point. They are all flowing between each other. And, yeah. Plus her music's awesome. Yeah, totally. It's really good. There's some great stuff about the the uh, noble greenness rooted in the sun mm -hmm. and this idea, and, and specifically talking again about the quality of light as well, and referring to things either optically as incandescent or as um, representing a virtue of, of, of God on earth. Uh, through the green. Yeah, this she sees the, 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 sh the shadow of the light of God is the first thing she sees, which is an interesting thing. And then, like, whole ideas of the creation in this kind of very medieval way of rephrasing things, and that her depiction of it is the the flame, the like the, the Celtic idea of the flame to the head. Mm. So she's got these three tongues of fire. Um, not always three, but it's just an interesting thing of her head is on fire, and this is the, 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 the heating migraine that has to be cooled. Um, in some way, uh, the divine sickness that comes that gives her visions. And also she was very known to, she was really good at guilt trips. 
which I find very interesting. Like, um, it's like, oh, I had a vision. Yeah, there was, uh, you're going to be uh, kicked out tomorrow. Yeah, uh, there's a, she had a, a you know? <laughs> was it a, 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 a nun that she was working with that was like trying to go to another comic because Hildegard was a little overbearing and she was like, I who have raised you, I who have brought you to the light of God, you would leave me without your help and assistance. You would abandon the holy work we have started together. And it's like, whoa, yeah. okay, you, she knew how to pour that on. And also the side of it that, like, when the church would kind of come a little too close to, like, trying to see, like, what are you saying? She'd be like, oh, I'm having a vision. There it's, are evil tempters. Satan is trying to, you know, it was this type of. I'm having a vision. It's of you in a ditch. <laughs> yes. Tomorrow. <laughs> you don't. The devil has poisoned your mind against <laughs> you. Um, so there's, it's, it's a bold move. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And also I think if you look into a lot of her recipes, there's a, such good exposition of humoral theory in her remedies. Um, nerve cookies, by the way, are fantastically easy to make, but rely on the yeah. use of cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, mercurial herbs, which are said to enervate you to remember things and to do, so we're talking about smart angel mm -hmm. drugs, but we used to make them in a big batch and have them in the cookie jar in the kitchen when I was in college court, if you're listening, I, yeah. Um, but uh, relying just on mercurial spices uh, to, to kind of raise you up. She was a big fan of quenched wine, of like uh, flashing, flash, flash frying wine, I guess, flash mm -hmm. boiling wine, um, just a little bit. And uh, was a big fan of different tree magics and things like that. The apple, of course, is its own horrible, strange world of magic and, and Catholicism. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, her... September 17th, uh, feast day. Yeah, it was um, just passed recently. Uh, which is, you know, just about a, just about a month ago. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I find her, as far as health-wise, there's, you're going to find few saints that really speak to a written volume of, like, cures that trying to understand the universe and make sure people have it in their hands of how to live in concord with, uh, accord, with the world around them and and experience the greening power, the Viriditas to, to heal themselves. And that's, I don't know, freaking love her. Yeah. Um, for all her craziness that she is. Um, I see some of her works in being either explicitly or implicitly compared to some of uh, your boy Francis's as well sometimes in terms of brother moon brother sun that kind of stuff i think there was the rise of the, the like because he she predates him but um the uh the rise of the the written mystic and what it means to to i think one of the interesting arguments of religion when you have someone who's like but religion is the root of all evil it's like well actually religion defines evil so of course it's going to be the root of all evil mm -hmm. but also importantly that religion has to cater to the mystics as well as the idiots who need hardcore black and white laws and how to cohabitate with fellow humans to the people that know that those laws don't matter, which are the mystics who are having divine revelations because a leaf fell on their head in the middle of the forest at the right time and their spiritual eyesight is open to that. And how do you create something so broad Well, you can't name everything, every circumstance for every person? Mm. But the, the, the intimacy of a mystic is inherently heretical, that you're, mm -hmm. you're like becoming Jesus and Mary yourself and like the idea of, you know, the, the concept of, you don't hear about it from monk side that Mary is going to come and have sex with you, but you do talk about it with nuns that they're going into the bridal chamber and that the bridegroom is Christ 
and that there's this whole union with Jesus that women are able to achieve that is the communion, the holy, the holy anorexics, the, the people who are having a union with Jesus that is not accessible in other ways. And then the talking about the, um, you can talk about uh, latent homosexual impulses that many people like to put on the church because of Jesus being the one that you are intimate with mm -hmm. um, as, as a male run clergy, but that's a, that's a wormhole I won't open up quite yet more than I have. Um, but in the middle of all that too, I remember there was, it's either Spanish saint, I think it's St. John, of God, but it might be St. John of the Cross, he had clinics, and he named them St. Raphael, always. His clinics were like the Raphaels. They like always, it was always Raphael's work. Um, interesting. Hmm. Chariot? The chariot. Swing low? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sweet chariot. Yep. Which is interesting if you're talking about, uh, it's Elijah, but the, not Enoch, but mm. as far as uh, biblical prophets and, and, and seeing the backside of God, I always think is, is whatever that means. Um, that's biblical. I didn't make that up. <laughs> uh, but the chariot is uh, an interesting potential uh, connection to like labradorite and opalescence because the card depicts the chariot at rest, but its potential is to move. Mm -hmm. And opalescence itself is like this moving thing that's not actually moving. Um, well, also, it's like um, the, the idea that something that doesn't really have any true nature represents potentiality. Elaborate. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's sort of like the, the Buddhist concept of like emptiness or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, because something has no true nature, it has the potential to be everything. Mm -hmm. You know, so I guess uh, a chariot, you know, being either like both at rest and then also in motion. Like, it's interesting just, you if know. you put that with the, the black and white sphinx or the black and white horses yeah. that pull it. This kind of opposite thing there. I liked its notion of, I still like its notion of uh, a combined effort. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in whether, where I can look at this like cut up and the idea of the, it being made of many parts, the, the, the rider and the, and the grail, if you're into, that's what he's holding, or the, and, and the, and the chariot itself and the steeds and all of these things without any of without all of them working together they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're not going anywhere oh it's like the horse thing mm -hmm. remember mm -hmm. the thing that russ was telling us about mm -hmm. about how if there's two horses it, like one horse can carry like can pull this amount of tons like say 40 tons or something like that but if two horses that are friends work together they can they can pull like you know tw more than twice as much right more than the sum of the parts yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That, that really scientific uh, explanation that Absolutely. I just gave just now. Yeah. Hmm. But harmony, as right. that which has emerged yeah. more than the sum of the parts. Uh, yeah, I like I like that very much. Um, and that notion of also that uh, the, the the other side of that is that it's um, you know it's hard power. So it's about the idea of like cranking on your armor, and you haven't necessarily mastered any of these mm -hmm. forces. You've just like you know bullied them, or, or by sheer force of will, like got them all to the same. To, to, to go in the same direction mm -hmm. at least for a little bit until the wheels fall off right, right? it's not that you, it's not enlightenment it's 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 uh, it's it's you've you're working with what you have mm -hmm. uh, and you've cobbled it together for as long as it needs to needs to right. go together until the horses are tired or the, mm -hmm. the sphinxes decide to riddle at you or whatever <laughs> riddle at you I think it's interesting because it's number is seven right so it's the seventh mm -hmm. card which automatically brings up planetary references to me and the chariot is interesting for me in the sense of um, what at least Jen has introduced in my vocabulary of snapshots 
that when we're looking at a chart, we're looking at a snapshot, things that are technically still moving, mm -hmm. but we have frozen them in time. And the chariot becomes an interesting vehicle for delivering the light of God for the Mesla coming through those pinholes of mm -hmm. what the snapshot of right. what it is and that this, the chariot has these stellar connections. Right, the Rider Waite Smith, he's he, like the, 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 it's daylight and the sky is pretty clear, but there's a canopy above him with the stars. Uh, and he's also got kind of a diadem thing going on mm -hmm. as well. So he, yeah, there's, 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 there's a, he's carrying the heavens with him in, 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 in a scene, uh, or even the, the static of that particular pattern of stars on that fabric with him. So there's a kind of talismanic quality to it going on there as well. It's interesting. I, it's hard for me to not draw on the kind of Gurdjieff parallel of the, the, the stagecoach with the chariot, which talks about the, the horses, the driver and the coach um, being metaphors for the different centers of the body, the, mm. the, the intellect, which is driving the passion that is the horses driving, pulling you forward, and the coach, which is the physical body, which has its own feedback, which in the West we often ignore the body mm -hmm. and say that it's only containing the other things, but it is an important actual soul. Like it's only here for this lifetime and it's doing its damnedest to try and right. keep us going, which in connection to the physical health of, of Raphael is an interesting thing too, yeah, um, to, to, to understand the body as a temple or uh, the body as something that allows for something else to come and help us co-worship or co-create or whatever it is that we're calling it. But also that in those balances, if the horses go too fast, the coach is going to lose its track. If the coach mm -hmm. is moving without everything else, it's great. If the driver is manipulating the horses too much, not paying attention to the coach, it's going to fall apart. And that through the balance of those three centers, a fourth option arrives, which I just spat at you from across the room, um, that the fourth possibility of the rider actually, or the, the patron showing up, that the vehicle, the body of light, the body, the divine self can now, the coach can open the door when things are in balance. And the balance between those parts, those centers of the body allow for a new part, which is an interesting side of it that in a lot of, um, uh, Central Asian to Eastern Asian uh, metaphysics of the the divine soul, the thing that lasts, has to be created through our work on Earth. It's not a guarantee, and that the like the the Lamic uh, reincarnation as another Lama is not the fate of the common man. Um, that the, the common man is going to follow whatever the trajectory of its soul is upon death. That if you live like a dog, you're going to possibly, your soul is going to be attracted to a dog. Um, but that creating the divine body of light, creating a new soul, adding more soul mass to your soul, perpetuates you into eternity in a different way. And I find that very interesting too, with the, this kind of opalescence thing we're talking about, this layer that is like, how do you describe it? What is it that fools that makes the the shell of the thing iridescent in that way and how do our bodies what is it to see the reflection of someone else of ourselves or something else in the eyes of the person you're talking to what is it to to see the glow on skin that we always describe to a pregnant woman like mm -hmm. it, it's like there's something different and it's the right, same but you can't really describe it yeah. what it is yeah it's it's uh it's interesting to me mm -hmm. The idea of a bridled horse, uh, the, the, the passions as, as steeds that we must bridle, is a, a very old concept. I'm pretty sure some of the Stoics talk about it. Mm -hmm. It certainly receives greater prominence in sort of 15th and certainly 16th century French uh, psychology and, and, and psychiatry. And How dare you say that Freud didn't invent that? <laughs> I dare. I very dare. <laughs> Okay. There is uh, something in the. I've always been curious as to what the the, the heraldry on the 
the the the shield of uh, oh his little gavel thing yeah that they say he has a sonic connection sometimes right I was looking into that uh, that was and 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 some some internet said and it's got a square on him too oh uh, yeah the, the chariot has the the heraldry of the gavel mm-hmm. um or the there's many things it could be a setting ball it could be many things if you're going to be masonic but the that he has a square which. Mm-hmm. Lovely permutations of what that can be, but yes, four worlds. Uh, yeah, no, the, the just the the, the 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 mallet has these same uh, connotations. Apparently, some some quoted thing about um, the common gavel and the entered apprentice degree, mm-hmm. uh, and talking about teaching to correct the irregularities of temper and of various like even says the aspirations of unbridled uh, ambition to depress the malignity of envy and to moderate the ebullition of anger. So again, this idea of like something that... Without breaking oaths, because I can neither confirm or deny that. <laughs> um, uh, look at what the common gavel does, which is uh, an apprentice would be given the, the rough ashlar that was made in the quarry that's not perfectly smooth, and they are smoothing the rough parts off, getting rid of excess things that are not going to fit the temple, that are not going to fit the plan. So it is getting rid of the excess... It's not detritus until you acknowledge it as it is. So you must measure according to the plan and say this must be this measurement and it must be perfectly square in order to fit the temple, which then by metaphor and masonry of fitting the living temple, that you are making your soul, you are enacting those metaphors upon yourself to fit the living temple, which is the, the greater kingdom, the great, the great temple. Um, additionally, there's other things of it. The, the gavel is an instrument of, of um, violence. In, in the Masonic myths, perhaps, um, but that it is the the thing that can with your temper, mm-hmm. and also the interesting thing of it being the judges, mm. gavel, and the kind of huge Masonic conspiracies as to the authority of the gavel and what that means. The idea um, of hammer and, and armor there also you get a, plenty of folks talking about how the chariot can also in its in its negativity or when it's reversed if you read those has this quality of the armor that like constrains us mm-hmm. and the, the worst crabbiest qualities of cancer that it's associated with and this notion of judgmentalism but also of um of putting on a pretense which is what i thought of when you're talking about uh mm-hmm. um that uh, yeah this this idea that it can also it can be the armor that helps you put on something to become uh, to, 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 to progress in your, in your quest, but it can also be the, the airs and graces or the, um, the, 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 uh, affected world weariness mm-hmm. of like, oh, these beginners. Yeah. I'm totally putting things on your bed without I, asking you. I'm I don't sorry. care. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just throw my scarf up there and my notes and, um, okay. So, since that is our last topic, let's close out with that. Of like, let's just explore just DC a little bit mm-hmm. yeah, um, sure. because it's also making Vanessa sad that we're in her house so late. No, I don't um, care. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, explore Tristitia well, then. Tristitia, I wanted to pick because uh, I, I know you've got a lot to say about Saturn, uh, and it's one of the Saturnine figures. Okay. Um, so uh, I, 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 I mean, wind I, her up and let her go. I mean, I do love Saturn. I don't know a ton about geomancy, so I don't know if I can talk about the figure at all. But I mean, I can talk about Saturn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, so the two... Which is very Saturnine to acknowledge your limitations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about... I planned it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about the boundary Saturn, though. We're not talking about uh, Karka, the, the figure of, 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 of restriction. We're talking about Tristitia, the figure of, of sorrow. Beautiful, mm. romantic sorrow. Um, so Tristitia has these qualities of um, that which... My new goth man. <laughs> that which makes us sad and... Crucially, the idea is it's 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 two 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 one, 
uh, and the, the idea of being a pit, uh, if we viewed in cross section, is that is the common idea of being, being bottom half of the pits. rainbow that right. we can't see, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah, or the or the or the concave of, of when something is hollowed out. Uh, it's you know typically associated with Aquarius if we're if we're doing it by planetary rulerships, and so I always think there's this creative quality to. Uh, that kind of sadness to like when you're mm -hmm. thinking about anxiety or, or worry you know the idea that worry is a waste of imagination is an incredibly imaginative act mm -hmm. to to permutate and invent all the ways that everyone hates you and or all the ways wrong, yeah. that it could go wrong uh and and and, <laughs> and i find that fascinating mainly tristitia turns up saying something specific will make you sad depending on, you know if it's in the the fifth house it'll be something about your kids will you know mm -hmm. bring great sorrow to you uh etc uh, the other qualities of it that I find interesting are that it is terrible for most things, except black magic. It's categorically listed right. by Catan and Hayden as like, oh, it's terrible for everything except nigromancy. Yeah. Uh, so if, you, if you're wanting to, to, to throw some sorrow at someone, then it's fucking brilliant. Uh, and again, it has that idea of like, this, this, this pattern is going to show up, find something to do with it mm -hmm. that, that furthers your ends or, 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 be, like, or, or be run over by it mm -hmm. in, its, in, its, um, in its chariot. I find Okana is a it's a hard ogu because it's in, in Zilogun it's one shell speaking so like you just missed out on like nobody speaking to you in our grand folkloric interpretation of things but the proverbs fart fart wow the problems <laughs> for it are things like where the world was begun um, in order for there to be good there must be evil where evil was born um, without evil there is no good there's a lot of emphasis on that balance um, the speaker will die by his own tongue. The same knife that cuts the bread can cut the flesh. Uh, just as a snake always gives birth to a snake, a witch always gives birth to a witch. Like, good will beget good, evil will beget evil. It's... That thing about the tongue, because it, it's it's also Obara upside down, right? Yes. Is it paired with Obara at all? It is a Shango Obu. Mm. Um, it tells, if you want to take the graphic of it, you could, this is some, like, not... Speaking for elders here, to be very clear, um, we but have to be so yeah. careful. <laughs> yeah, because I have to go off of what's published. Because yeah. and, and my excitement of it, like, <laughs> but like, um, you know, this our comparisons of these things is never to say like, well, you could read one. It's like it's more. It's this. This part's for us. Um, like, oh, that's interesting there. But if you go to the down one side to the bottom of the pit and back up, this is the Odo Shango's incarnation as a mortal. And his ascent as into godhood, which is not necessarily found here upon his death. He cheats death and becomes an Orisha. But like it shows the progress of that thing of like in order to ascend and truly ascend, you've got to go down first. Um, but Okana is associated with the stink eye. Like we talk about the Okana stink eye, people that heavy with that odu of just like <clears throat> the evil eye that they give off of, you know, they're it's difficult for them to be in groups larger than like two or three. Like parties are, they're always going to be this the person who's kind of just funky. Um, it has it's said by many that there's no true blessing here. That the blessing is that you're going to learn something through it, through its through its energy, and that's the blessing you can hope oh, for. Oh, that's horrible. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, as opposed to like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, just to bring it back to Raphael for a second, like, and sorry if this sounds like a, something like a corny, like motivational speaker would say, but um, one thing that Raphael has sort of taught me or that I've tried, I try to embody like through my practice with Raphael is that 
anything that you experience in life can be either medicine or a teacher, mm. you know, and so, um, or both, you know, so I feel like that's sort of yeah. you know, similar to the message. Well, that's that. like, that's the flavor of it. The, the best hope you can get out of it is, is that, that you like, you know, it's happening or, and like, or you, you know, what kill, what doesn't kill you. Makes yeah, exactly. Because there's an association with it of, exhaustion of you've tried to do so much good in your life to overcome the stupid shit you've done and it's the evil shit that's going to catch up with mm -hmm. you and what you're going to be known for in this next cycle of energy and it's like the the things that you leave undone come back to get you mm -hmm. um it, it it's hard because when it falls it's traditionally felt that the the person being divine for won't actually hear what you're trying to advise them with. Mm -hmm. They just hear you're telling me it's going to be shit. Oh. Yeah. And like that's hard too because they're fulfilling the the, the, right. the fullness of it. So sadness, it deals a lot with sadness. It deals a lot with um, what I was trying to uh, talk about earlier was uh, directly quoting Fatumbi, Falokun um, Fatumbi of Ifa teaches that in Okana, Shango becomes incarnated as an Orisha by the principles of justice that are manifest through creation. The historical Shango was an effective warrior who unified the eastern portion of the Yoruba nation. After his victories on the battlefield, Shango became abusive in his use of power and was transformed by his own sense of guilt and shame. This does not mean the creator is an unforgiving deity. By incarnating Shango as an Orisha, the universe allows for the transformation through tragedy and crisis. False pride and egotism can create an illusion of accomplishment and honor, but the laws of nature are such that the illusion cannot be sustained by itself indefinitely. Mm. So it is the bottom of the pit. You think you're on the rainbow. The rainbow is not made of substance. Joy is fleeting. Yeah. And there is a, there is, you have the highest high in, in Letizia mm -hmm. that becomes the lowest low. Yeah. And so there is something here. There's a lesson here, but the, 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 in its composites, which is a whole like more thing of like when it, when it's mates with other signs, the spirits that are here, the Orishas that are here, like, you cling to something like Shango, like, just get me through this. Right. Like, here, come battle with me because I'm about to battle myself, which is the hardest thing. Yeah. The, um, the, 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 the shitty side of that comparison to Laetitia is that that shape means that Laetitia is uh, an exiting figure. It's yeah. going. Laughter does not outstay its welcome. Yeah. Right? It's, it's there and it's gone. The whole, like, you have to make love like bread again and again and again. Not doesn't just sit there like a stone. Thank you, Ursula Le Guin. Uh, but, <laughs> but because Tristicia is, is so downward pointing, oh, oh, sorrow's here to stay. Sorrow is like already brought its toothbrush well, yeah. and is like oh, sticking God. to the heart, right? That, that, that humoral notion of, of how we experience passions isn't just about their intensity, but about how easy they pass through us, passio. Misery uh, loves company. Yeah. Too. There's, there's a gravity and a profundity, mm -hmm. literally in this sign, to sadness. There is in Okana Meji, in double Okana, there is the origin of when we read, you have to ask if there's good blessing first, and then you know if it's not good blessing, it's bad. We ask good blessing first, but it, that story is actually found here, where Irei and Osogbo, Irei and Ibi, go before, they're told to go before Alofi the next day, and like, you've got to give sacrifice tomorrow, and Irei's like, oh my god, it's going to be amazing, I'm going to do this, there are all these things in life, and he goes to dream, he's like, I'll wake up early tomorrow and get it all done, and uh, Osogbo is like, I'm going to go get this stuff done now because I don't know what's going to happen. And he goes to bed and he, shows, he gets up early, dresses in his finest clothes, and Ide oversleeps, and they have to go before God, and God is like, whoa, where's the stuff? And Osoko's like, right here, and Ide's like, I overslept. And he's like, okay, well, he's going to get prominence in the world now. He now rules. And so Ide might be asked, yeah. but Osoko is like, you, there's all these bad things that can happen, but we only get one chance to ask blessing. 
And that's that thing is like joy is fleeting. There's one little point of manifestation on a big column of nothing supporting it. Right, right. So like catch that stone in mid-flight, enjoy that laughter, enjoy the friendship, enjoy the camaraderie. Um, but there's also something underneath it too. I love that story because it's it, it's it, it has it's an answer to the the problem of theodicy of how is God or God's good and powerful, but also evil in the world. It's, mm -hmm. it's just evil is more organized. Right. Um, he, he, evil did its homework. Well, I mean, the fun thing too in 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 or in the divination, we kind of think that evil's stupid too because it it is so prominent. Its children are so spread out in the world that evil only comes through the front door, meaning you invite it. Mm. Mm. Bad things can happen, but the majority of things come in through the front door, meaning it's your introduction into your life. It's your tongue, your mind, your things that you it's do like in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, you can try and banish them out, but it's a lot harder. Just don't, you, you know, keep your legs right. crossed, I guess is the methodology. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a horrible mixed metaphor, but there is something to that. I mean, it, there don't is... Don't slut shame me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I, I think your legs are crossed. <laughs> oh, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, she's not what you said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she's opalescent already. <laughs> Smells like lavender and roses. Okay. That's interesting as well, that thing about um, knowing that it comes up and says something about how the divination is going to go and how the client is going to respond. Oh, I, I I've, definitely found, <laughs> I've definitely found that, and, and, and I've, I've talked to other geomancers that have found if, if Tristicia comes up, you have to be very careful that either they want you to confirm that everything is terrible and that it's completely out of their hands and that it's awful, or uh, that they're, yeah, that they're, 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 they need to be... Um, they need to be treated very uh, carefully, and, and uh, so that or, they hear the message. Yeah, 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 with great kindness and sort of kid gloves, basically. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always uh, connote that. Um, you get it when the you get Tristicia in the first and Populus in the seventh. Definitely, the idea of the, the the other in this case being the diviner, and even if they're asking about some other person, the actual other that the chart is telling you about is you. Because you're the one having to have the conversation about, you know, even if they're asking about uh, a prospective lover or, or business partner that you might find in the seventh. And that populace, it, it always, any figure added to it always produces that figure again because it's it's all the twos. Mm -hmm. And so you they want you to be a mirror uh, for, for, their, for, their, for their sadness and for their... And often for their company. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if I can't see my own reflection in it, I might as well see your reflection in it. Like... Oh, so it's, it's it's a classic like so what you're saying is like yeah. what I what you absolutely didn't yeah, just right. say yeah. like and you have to wind back and do it again. Oh, it's those people at conferences <laughs> sit in the audience. You're like, I have a question, and there's well, never really, a question. It's really more of a comment. Yeah, really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what did you say? Here's my thesis. <laughs> Twenty minutes later, okay, well that no, um, no, I wouldn't. Just stop it right there. I. There's something to. Uh, is there a relation at all for you with uh, Amicio uh, and oh, Justicia? Yes. Because uh, lore-wise, in 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 our patterns of things, Oldu are born from other Oldu are born directly from heaven, and Olkana is born from Ofun. Um, so, which we've talked about, but Ofun is the origin of the curse. Ofun is um, reigning in heaven, but through its own, through the permutations of the other. Oldu and things like this gets dethroned and becomes one of the, the cursed Obapala energy on earth. They're like, you keep trying to do good and people keep trying to do stupid, you know, you're, you're the outcast, even though you're bottling. It's the Pandora story. Mm. Um, 
uh, it, it, which doesn't really explain what it is, but the quick reference is that there is a, an avatar of Obatala that is on the earth that is trying to capture all these things and he sets up shop in one town trying to capture all the bad things in the world and he's holding them under sheets and the little girl from next door who we call Nanagu comes over and she's playing and he's trying to be nice and she takes care of his house for him and he pays her and he's out hunting things and he always says, don't go into that room, don't look under the sheets. And one time she goes in there and she in different versions of it, she either dies or her hair turns white and she runs screaming and everything gets released mm. that he had been spent a lifetime doing and they blame him. You know, it does all the work he had done is erased, which that action, all the good work you've done is now erased is very Okana. Mm. And, and Okana is the creation is never painless. And you can talk about how like, what well, we talked about the Gunda Kalo Chaconis equivalent um, of uh, the kind of piercing of the amniotic sac is a violent act. The, the, the birthing act is painful and violent. And Okana deals heavily with the pain and destruction of the former that allows for something new. But its energy itself is a tendency towards destruction. Mm -hmm. So it's, you have to work a lot, which like the sadness and the depression that can be weighty, the Saturnine earthy energy. You know, if it's, well, it's like the idea of what you were saying about the amniotic sac river. It's like, a baby isn't born until the womb becomes uninhabitable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's like... kicked out. Yeah, mm -hmm. basically. It's like it, it can no longer sustain life, so it has to, like, it wow. has to leave, you know? So that the, the, so the fertile like mother becomes barren. Yeah. Like, in order that it, it will... Well, the womb carper becomes a prison. Mm. So you right. have the, the, the... Now the prison, it's... There's nowhere for you to go, and you must go in forth and break. You have to break the mother. Yeah. Um, which there's that lovely kind of um, nouveau uh, Orisha myth of Onile and his desire of one of the avatars of Ogun so desiring to incarnate um, and and that he asked to be born with his machetes or incarnate with his machetes. And so he gets incarnated in his mother's wounds with a machete and rips her open and she's dead. And, you know, an, an older avatar of Obatala comes and is like, tries to resurrect his mother and it's like, from now on, the womb you're born in will be metal because you're too much. It's too much. Um, and so there's that. But this is a, perhaps an, a, a more modern retelling of some type of energetical pattern. But the, the idea that, you know, Ogun is to be in terracotta shrines with, with metal implements and things like that. And that the, the metal cauldron, the womb itself, is significant of the earth and the relationship of you have to literally destroy the earth, mining it to get the thing that will allow for you to make this thing. Metallurgy is a witchcraft act, mm. especially if you're earth worshiping in that way of like, what is this to, to control it, to get the minerals out, to trap the Aurora Borealis or to feed the, you know, the devil, his, the Labrador mm -hmm. dog, his, uh, his Labradorite. Um, it's just far funnier if you've ever been around Labradors cause they do eat anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're really very happy. Um, I don't know. It's such a, Justicia as a figure is, it, geometrically, is always one of those ones that it feels very in line mm. with the, the, the stink eye, that one stink eye at the bottom of the pack, that one dot at the very bottom one staring at you. jelly bean. Yeah. <laughs> have you, have you done those horrible jelly beans that are like the, 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 the fake ones with the bad tastes? I, I haven't tasted them. I've like heard of them. They're terrifying. There's like a, there's like a, fi a, a fish one, I think. There's a dirty gym socks one that is horrible and like we try wow, to that's, i'm shocked <laughs> well it, some of them like the taste goes away the vomit one strangely the taste doesn't go away the dirty gym socks one stays in your mouth a little bit longer the fresh long clippings is like okay it's grass and then you're kind of like okay it's really strong but it, it goes yeah. away something about the chemical of it 
but we got a bunch of them once when I was down in Brazil. We were all comparing it, and we tried to do the thing because it says half and half or one third are smelly. Mm-hmm. No, like seven eighths of it <laughs> were bad. There were very few good ones. I didn't like the popcorn ones. Oh. Like yeah. It's a little, but I like the flavor combo of like if you do be like, would you like a roast turkey dinner? Get marshmallow and cranberry mm-hmm. and turkey and put together those those little bean cocktails. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Figures, I would like a good day today. What three <laughs> figures can I put together? Um, I like that. Uh, just as a a nod to the day, um, I'm not gonna ex- go heavily on her, but uh, today is the birthday of a folk saint that is really near and dear to me. It's Teresita Urrea. Who is a Mexican border saint, the Santa Cabora, who is an uh, interesting figure because turn of the last century, she is uh, still worshipped, still venerated as a saint of the Yaqui and the Mayo people who are borderland Indians who were persecuted during the Mexican Revolution, whole villages slaughtered, and she, people gravitated towards her. She had a, a sickness when she was, a, I think, a teenager. And she came back and said the Virgin Mary gave her healing abilities. And she started commanding groups of people and rallying them against the government. And was blamed for it because they would invoke her name whether she was there or not. Mm-hmm. And people would wear her image over their chests to go into battle with. And she was exiled from Mexico and then did healing tours as a curandera to revive the dead in San Francisco. She went around the country. She was uh, lived in Los Angeles for a while. She died in Los Angeles. She married a man who went crazy on their wedding day and she had to leave him after one day because he was probably not crazy so much as a secret assassin from the Mexican government. Um, and then she, when she went on tour, she fell in love with a translator and they had a child. Oh. Um, but there's a great book about her uh, written from a novelization point. There's two, actually two books, but the first one's called The Hummingbird's Daughter. Oh, you recommended that to me. She's when we were a fantastic uh, retelling, but October 15th is her birthday. Mm. And she will probably never be recognized as an official saint, but she is one of those, um, if you're from the, the Southwest, you know of her. You know of invoking the powerful ones. The poderosos are the, the dead curanderos, the dead curanderas, the people that we, we have historical record of that someone knew that someone knew that we call them in our dead magicians Cummins <laughs> to the aid to help guide your hands, to help teach you the ways of communing with God in that way. Right. And also because the connection to, to San Rafael, oftentimes in LA, like a couple of the um, candle shops that have her, um, oftentimes there's an invocation of St. Rafael on her candles. Mm-hmm. And it might be because her birthday is so close, her feast, mm-hmm. her, her other days um, a few months away. But it, it's it's one of those things that like you can't even go to her grave. It's an unmarked grave in Arizona that she was buried in, and it's just this frustrating thing of like this. La Santa Gabora is like a big thing for a lot of us that are from the north, northern Mexico and and southern southwestern United States, um, where the border you know is permeable. But um, today is her birthday, um, which I'm revealing the secret date that we're recording on. Well, if we're also <laughs> revealing the date, then I will also give a shout out to Saint Teresa of Avila, whose feast is today. Yay! Teresa of Avila is also one of the masks of Oya. Mm. So that kind of stabbing of the, the ecstasy mm-hmm. thing of the warrior angels that are with her. And then be remiss to not mention that San Rafael is like one of the main masks of Inle, mm. um, who is a, a complex Orisha, um, who has his fair share of tongue and tragedy. Tell us about him, Jesse. Uh, um, he's the fisherman. Uh, he's the, the the hunter in the water, and is compared very much to Oshosi and Ogun in this kind of hunting things. And I dealing with opalescence, though, which is interesting. I've often tried to figure out like why physician, what does this mean? Because every Orisha can heal. Mm-hmm. That's like one of their things. <laughs> um, if you don't know what to pray for, pray for health. Yeah, exactly. Because with health, you can figure out all the other blessings. 
You can go from rags to riches in a month if, if the fates are on your side and you work hard. Um, but um, the, the divine, the, the hunting for something, that the hunter who hunts for food is very different because they have visible signs of trapping. Oshosi is associated with like third sight of like, second sight, not third sight, third eye, second sight, yeah. of like being able to look at a trap and know where the animal is in the forest and therefore being able to follow it. So it's the one of the main orishas that's associated with this kind of out-of-body vision that is normally ascribed to the witches. Um, but Oshosi, in uh, one of the roads in Brazil is compared to Inle. Um, they view him as kind of a permutation of Oshosi energy. In, in Cuba, there's Inle as, as his own orisha that is... Uh, using tools to harness, to, to pull fish out of the water. And I think about this parallel with disease that like if the skin is the surface of the water, someone's got, a doctor's got to look beneath your skin and hunt the fish that is elusive and swimming through your body, through the rivers of your body. And that the point of the doctor, the physician, to be able to cut it out, to be able to extract that fish out and be able to show you that fish like St. Raphael on a hook of like, this is one of Inle's things. It is the physician. It is the person who uses that metal, that destruction, that energy there to heal. And the, the lore of Oshosi being taught the, the herbs that kill and Inle being taught the herbs that heal, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're naturally paired in that way. Um, so Oshosi is a hunter and has to kill, and Inle is healing with that. You know, it's, it's a complex orisha. And, you know, and I, then, you know, Raphael using the fish parts to heal. Exactly. So, and, and like, there are many people that... that it's unknown how much of it is influenced by, well, it's one of those ones where the, the, the saint and the Orisha are very, so they're so connected that it's mm -hmm. difficult to tell what influences one way or the other. Um, because we associate the fish so strongly with Inle, it's one of his main things. People put him in fish cookie jars mm -hmm. now. Um, but all Orisha will take a fish as an offering, but we always give it to Inle of like, this has to be done. And the, that association of the tidal pools, he is where the river and the ocean meet. And his own, one of the most popular stories about him is his being taken by Yemaya Chaba into the ocean. She's one of the richest. He was immortal. Basically, she swallows him, takes him whole body into the depths of the ocean where she is, where in the Cuban version, um, where she is queen. She's one of the oldest. She's described as perhaps toothless and um, a little bit, you know, very strict and severe and the richest of the, of the Yemayas. And, uh, He's supposed to remain faithful, and he learns all of his her secrets and things like that. And he one day sees um, Oshunololodi swimming near the ocean and goes after her, and he pays Elegua off, basically, of saying, okay, I'm going to go on a little errand. And he starts having these rendezvous with Oshun. And at one point, in many versions of the story um, told publicly, Elegua doesn't get paid and goes, okay, I see how it is, <laughs> and goes and directly tells Achaba of like, by the way, that boy that you brought is up there. And so she goes storming in, which Achaba is associated with the tidal wave, um, goes storming up there, finds them in each other's arms, and cuts out his tongue so that he cannot betray her secrets, and rips her hair off. And there is this, this specific road of Oshun is, uh, runs out and grabs watercress and puts it on her head. And our explanation as to why you never bring watercress near her is it reminds her of that betrayal of her sister slash mother slash other force, as well as that that bad time. Um, and it also makes Inle get a traitorous reputation of like you can't share secrets with him. And Yamaya basically owns him at that point. And most of the that is the most common story told of him. 
Um, there are many others, but it's just, I think the association with Raphael and his association with healing and then his being taught by the, the spirit of, of leaves of Osain to be taught the herbs to heal and his, his nurse assistant, who is Abata, his marriage to Otin, who is another female hunting deity who's also connected to the water. Um, uh, sometimes they put him with Oba in some New York stories too. It's one of those things where like there's different stories told in different regions. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, even in the United States, there's Miami stories, there's New York <laughs> stories, there's ones that have developed in LA. And it's interesting to see how those go. Um, and, you know, if you're involved in religion, always listen to your godparents and don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> how, yeah. Uh, but in lay, I think it's just an interesting, the force of, you know, I think in here in, in New York, interestingly, because the Hudson River is not a river, it's a tidal estuary. And so it is saltwater and freshwater meeting for a very long ways upstate, and Inle is that saltwater and freshwater meeting. It is the realm of Yamayan or Shun overlapping. Inle is the Adonis. He's considered the most beautiful of the male Arishas. Gorgeous, and he's very finicky, supposedly. Has to be applied, applied to with lots of richer richeries, fineries and, and witch, witcheries. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that is the, he's a little bit, he's a witch. Um, but yeah, nothing to, I won't say his connection, his, his He's not an Okana Arisha, but the, there's something there with St. Raphael. It's very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, well. Yeah. <laughs> I think we actually covered everything. I think so. I think so. And just a little over two. That's, we're in a good place. Enough to make sure that we can get out of your hair, Vanessa. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. How do yeah. how do people find out more about you and what you do? Because you do a lot of things. I do. Um, I do photo and I do music and I do well writing now. Yeah, you do. So, uh, so you can find me on my website at knifesex.com. Mm-hmm. Where you can also hear some of your awesome yeah, here's some of my music, including and your devotional album. Yes, uh, my devotional album to Babylon that I made last year. It's almost a year old now, and then um, I'm working on a new album now. But I'm going to keep the details of that under wraps. Secrets. But um, okay, yeah, you know, <laughs> that'll be a you know, I'll keep you all posted about that you mm-hmm. know in the future and that okay. sort of thing. So yeah, 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 yeah www.knifesex.com one yep. word right yeah one mm-hmm. word that is indeed knife <laughs> sex one word <laughs> as in a stabby thing and coitus mm-hmm. yeah stabbycoitus.com alternate domain yeah for you. <laughs> right <laughs> knife sex at stabbycoitus.com <laughs> um, and uh, we'll be uh, coming around the mountain soon with another episode mm-hmm. um, this will see October out and uh, hopefully by the time you listen to this there'll be a few extra goodies out as well the unmentionables. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, we'll see you in November sometime. Uh, May Archangel Raphael bring you safe travels and healing and learning. And lots of fish stuff. hearts and livers fish. thrown on some hot coals to drive demons yeah. into Egypt. Yeah. Totally. Ne'er to be seen again. Yeah. Um, May all your aurora borealises be found in the backside of a dog. Yeah. Yes. In the web-footed dogs of Satan's menagerie. <laughs> um, God love a Labrador. Uh, and may your sorrows uh, teach you things and help you to treat them as the glorious celestial halfpipe that rockets you <laughs> to further heights. And Remember the Jamaican bobsled team? Yeah. 
remember, uh, should all your burns have an appropriate amount of lavender oil applied? Mm. Um, Michael, another, <laughs> another of the angelic father figures. Um, uh, but yeah. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Thank you.